So, I just got the State Farm Personal Price Plan on my car insurance. So you told your agent you play the bagpipes for your dog? What? No, I didn't get that. Personal, my agent just helped me create an affordable price just for me. Okay, let me show you what I've been working on. Hey, Buster! Contact local agent Elvis Gates in Long Beach today. Prices vary by state. Options selected by customer. Availability and eligibility may vary. All right, we've kicked off the radio side of Spaced Out Radio tonight. We're getting into UFOs. We are getting into aliens, Nazca lines, maybe a little Bob Lazar. Gene Broida is our guest tonight on the show. We are just waiting for Bill WD-40 to come on in and lube us up for tonight's show because you always want to go into a show nice and smooth. Yes, you do. Hi, Bill WD-40. Nice to see you. For the rest of you in the YouTube land, Good to have you all here. Remember, the Super Chat is open. It's a wonderful way to support what we do on this show on a nightly basis. Help me grow my beard, people. You can do that with Super Chats. Also, you can join the Space Travelers Club for as low as 5 bucks a month. The link is below in the YouTube description. And May 10th through 12th, 2024, do us a favor. Join us in Reno, Nevada for the third annual Spaced Out Radio Fan Party at the Silver Legacy Casino and Resort. You can start booking your rooms and tickets now. Do me a favor, everybody. Get your horns up. Let's rock. From the mountains of central British Columbia, to you listening around the world, this, my friends, is Spaced Out Radio. I am your host, Dave Scott, sitting in the captain's chair of SOR headquarters. We welcome you to tonight's show on our terrestrial affiliates around North America, digitally on Odyssey Radio, TalkStream Live, and KPNL. All of our archives are free. Join us at youtube.com forward slash spaced out radio. Do old Davey the favor, hit that subscribe button. You can follow us on Twitter at spaced out radio, Instagram at spaced out radio show, and on Patreon in the Space Travelers Club. Our website, spacedoutradio.com. We have a plethora of features for you. Rock out to Bumblefoot, read the news wire, check out our swag as well. Tonight's show is brought to you by Chive Charities. Help make the world 10% happier by visiting Chive Charities today. You can find them on our website. A power show of woo-ness tonight. Everything from aliens of the Nazca lines to UFOs, paranormal, supernatural, everything under the sun with Gene Broida. That's who we're going to talk to tonight. Author extraordinaire. Then in hour number three, Steve Stockton is here with another Creepy story from Among the Missing. Followed up with the UFO report, and it's going to be a good one, with Courtney Marcusani. All right, let's do this thing. I'm pumped up. I hope you are, too, because it's going to be a great night of woo. Jean Broida is a lifelong UFO researcher and light worker. She's an empath, tarot card reader, and astrologer, scientist, analyst, professional educator, 
and a presenter with a master's degree in science in computer information systems and undergraduate degrees in education, psychology, and language. She's an investigative journalist of more than 1,000 published articles that expose political cover-ups and occult secrets, but her love, her passion, her glory is finding out the truth among the stars. Gene Broida, welcome to Spaced Out Radio. It's such a pleasure to have you here. Thank you for coming on the show for the first time. How are you? Hi, Dave, and hi, everybody out there. I'm checking the chat, and I'm astonished. What a community we have here. We this do. This is awesome. Thank you for having me amongst you. You are such an educated lady. Your resume speaks for itself. And yet here you are chasing down little gray aliens, UFOs, mummies from Nazca, and everything weird and strange in between. So I'm going to ask you, what, at what point did your mind snap and did you all of a sudden join the Woo Club? I figure it was when I was three years old, four years old, abducted like most of us here in the audience, probably. I think we're probably all abductees and all our family members are abductees and we're just lab rats for them. <laughs> and I'm not saying that, I mean, in terms of being lab rats, I don't mean that any in any unkind way. I am, I must, let me, let me just back up a step. I've been drawn to the topic of UFOs since I discovered there was a paranormal section in the library because I'd read everything else and it was boring. Paranormal wasn't boring. Paranormal was exciting. And I found out paranormal meant ghosts, uh, Bigfoot, ESP, UFOs, things like that. Well, of all those various topics, I gravitated to two of them, UFOs and ESP. And it turns out they're, they're intertwined they cross over, right? So there are certain people that we meet, all of us. I know I speak as a community now. When we travel amongst ourselves, when when we travel in the world, we gravitate toward each other because we have open-mindedness. We were born or have acquired this open-mindedness about paranormal phenomenon. Whereas other people are just close-minded, their minds are clamped shut, there can be no such thing as ghosts. There's no Bigfoot. There's no Loch Nessie. There's no this. There's no that. There's nothing to, li- to vivid dreaming or out-of-body experience. They're just categorical that none of this could possibly exist. And when you ask them why they think so, even though all of them to a man and woman and child has experienced deja vu. And if deja vu isn't an example of extra sensory perception. I don't know what is the sense that you've been somewhere or experienced something before. It can be quite profound and rather unnerving. When you ask people why they discount the paranormal as out of hand, they will tell you because my government has told me all my life that you must be crazy to believe this stuff. And so I've spent my life debunking a government that just recently and in my lifetime in 2020, revealed, yeah, we know there's UFOs. This was the Pentagon. Huge, huge disclosure. As the pandemic started to grip the nation, this was April of 2020. Remember, the uh, national health emergency was announced March 15th. And overnight, 
millions of people lost their jobs as non-essential workers. And so everybody in the nation was preoccupied with that. And the Pentagon just sort of slipped this little factoid in. Yeah, we're announcing that we're declassifying that, uh, you know, remember the Tic Tac UFO footage that was leaked. Well, we're admitting now that it's true and, uh, and we've declassified it so we can actually talk about it. So that was the first thing. And then two years later, we have this new government agency, yet another government agency, and a new acronym for UFOs, UAPs. And uh, this task force, various task force that are spinning off, have civilian interests now with Congress and Senate coming in. It's all getting very interesting how the government is sidestepping around disclosure. The current position is that yes, the hardware is real, the craft are real, but our government is not weighing in on the occupants, the people who built these things or entities, I should say, the non-human entities that engineered these craft. Okay, so that's a bit of a conundrum. We have the, we have the object, but not, not the creator of the object. Well, clearly there are creators of these objects. And that's the one topic that no one in the mainstream wants to talk about. And I just, I was talking to you, Dave, before the show, as you were driving and I was watching the recent United States congressional hearings on UFO landmark hearings. And uh, what was clear throughout the entire hearing was that the major concern from the government side, at least the excuse, shall we say, the, the excuse now that's being trotted out to screen the actual truth, the cover story, if you will, is that that UAPs, I, I want to say UFOs, I'll just say UFOs, that UFOs pose airspace threat because they are unidentified and they exhibit technology that's well beyond anything terrestrial. And so therefore, humans, Americans, can't control them. And American military wants to control everything on the planet, everything and everybody because they can't control these these intelligent beings that are piloting craft around the world into space, out of space, doing harebrained, screwy maneuvers, that our government is just freaking out. Our government doesn't know what to do. And they're using excuse after excuse after excuse to keep us in the dark. But the darkness is peeling away so rapidly now. It's just so exciting. What do you think, Dave? Well, you, I, I'm going to tell you right now, I'm very excited for the fact that you refuse to use the term UAP because I hate that yeah. term. Okay. And and the one thing that I have learned over the last couple of years here, especially here in early 2023, is I think they've hinted enough that UAPs are man-made objects and they have no clue what UFOs really are. That's the one thing that I have learned. Through it all. Oh, you think that's the distinction? UAPs are the reverse engineered craft. That no, I, I, I think the uh, I think the UAPs are the Chinese drones, the Russian drones, everything that's uh, a th- part of the threat narrative that they are going oh, so, on. Uh, human engineered. Yes, exactly. And then whereas I, uh, UFOs are genuinely that's what we non-human. want. That's what we want. We want the UFOs. We don't want that UAP crap. I get you. I get you. Well, what's interesting about the 2022 initiative to institutionalize the study of UFOs is that, again, 
we see historically another branch of government springing up more tax dollars at work to build an agency that purports there is no prior data that's valid. There's no prior valid data about UFOs, which is bunk. It's just balderdash. They're starting from scratch with, you know, the, the first couple of months, the first reports coming out of the newly formed offices were, yeah, we studied 50 UFO cases. We've had 50 reports. I'm like, are you kidding me? You're starting today in 2020 or 2022 to start to collect data on UFOs when our government has been studying UFOs since at least the Missouri crash of 1941, Cape Girardeau. At least, and I just heard in the UFO Congress that it was that uh, pilot of the Tic Tac uh, episode, that incident, that said, uh, no, I'm sorry, it was Grush, the intelligence, uh, former intelligence officer. He said, to his knowledge, U.S. government has been studying UFOs since the 1930s. Well, we know that there are woodcuts. That Nuremberg, wasn't it? Nuremberg, Germany, that there was an aerial battle and we have Middle Ages art that's showing UFOs in the sky. In other words, you would know the date of this art if you lived in that time period because, oh, yeah, that was the summer the UFO showed up. And there's the guy walking his dog pointing up at it and the dog's looking up too. You know, they're like, uh huh. <laughs> this was how artists cleverly chronicled astonishing events without incurring the wrath of the Catholic Church. Because, of course, UFOs were heresy. You got that right. I and they basically still are. I mean, if you if you look at history, we've, we're very f- little further along, in my opinion. Gene, do you believe <laughs> out of out of all the years that you have studied, both historically to present, about UFOs, do you believe that we are in contact with an extraterrestrial presence? Number one, but number two, do you believe that? Or what is your opinion on why we're hiding that belief? Okay, well, let's first of all, let's be careful about our pronouns, if I may be kind and gentle. Who is doing what to whom? (laughs) Are we being contacted? Who are we? Individuals are being contacted. In fact, probably many of the people listening to the show are being contacted by ETs all the time through dreams, through meditation through communions of various kinds. So we are in contact, we who are attuned, if you will, or we who have been selected by ETs are in communication, whether it's conscious or subconscious or both. The government has been contacted, it's for sure, and may actually have treaties with ET races. There are many races of ETs, it's clear. Uh, We know this from all kinds of documentation. And so Why doesn't the government want the public to know? Because this was discussed during the Truman administration after World War I, and a group of scholars got together. At first, one of the first groups to study the phenomenon was, was a group of scholars, and they said, this is heady stuff. It's for sure real. There's, there's just no doubt in our minds this is a real thing going on. UFOs are real. And we're on the fence about whether the public could accept it, because if as you'll recall, after World War II in the United States, there was a, let me just be plain about this, and I don't mean to offend anybody, I'm speaking historically. After World War II, the United States regarded itself as a Christian nation. 
with uh, uh, ruled by one God under one God. And so we pledge allegiance to the United States and one God indivisible with liberty and justice for all. When I was a kid, we did that. And, and even though I personally am not a Christian and never have been a Christian and never will be a Christian and have suffered Christian persecution in other lives. Yes. I believe in reincarnation too. I don't hold a grudge particularly people do smart. People can do dumb things and often people act out of ignorance and fear base emotions. Okay. So all that history aside after world war II, Christian country, scholars researching UFOs and going, it's a real deal. Can we approach this scholarly, scholarly, in a scholarly fashion and scientifically, or will the public panic because ETs rather threaten this notion of a, of an, actually they don't, but the thinking was that ETs would threaten the Christian concept of God as a single entity male that has all power all seeing, all knowing, okay? Because I guess the thinking was that UFOs don't seem to be bound by God. However, alien interviews invariably have the aliens saying we're all we we all exist under Godhood, under Godness. God is, God is light, God is love, and everything that exists is in God, of God. We can't separate the two. Okay? So ETs are mysterious. They're, they are very powerful. They seem, they have been perceived as a threat to religions. And that is, I think, one of the real reasons, one of the valid reasons, perhaps, that they were first covered up. But quickly, very quickly, after a year or two, I'm thinking, the, power, the powers in charge of UFO research realized there's big money in this. There's big money in getting this technology because ships were crashing. Cape Girardeau was a crash in 1941 along the Mississippi River. And the government swept out to collect everything they could and threatened people not to talk about it, including a reverend who did write about it. And this is how we know about it. A reverend was called to administer last rites two bodies at the crash site. And he thought this would be an airplane crash. So he showed up with his Bible and he was prepared to give last rites. And when he got there, there were bodies laid out by a crashed vehicle, but it was not an airplane. It had no wings or propellers or a tail. It was spherical and meaning round. And the beings were not human. They were so not human that he refused to administer last rites. He said, by looking at these individuals, I can just tell they're not Christians and I'm not going to give them last rites. So he took the opportunity in the hubbub to peer inside this felled craft and he couldn't even explain what he was looking at. He was at a loss for words because the technology of the day didn't have words for, for what he was seeing. He did his best to describe what is probably based on other reports fiber optic wiring that had come out of its casings, you know, walls would have split open. And I'm imagining this part, but I can well imagine a crash craft would have exposed fiber optics that was described and very few controls. Because remember at the time, airplanes had banks and arrays of knobs, levers, lights, switches, and, and check 
checking procedures before takeoff, before landing. You had to do everything in a sequence and in order. And so from World War II, the public had been exposed to this notion that military aircraft are very complicated, and they are. But these these alien craft from the get-go seemed very simple. And this was mystifying. How could something apparently so simple and so streamlined and so elegant defy the laws of physics as we, the people of Earth, understand them? It's a fascinating topic all by itself. One could write books. Oh, I agree with you. We got four and a half minutes before we have to go to break at the bottom of the hour. Gene Broida is our guest tonight. I love your passion and desire about this. And I want to learn more about you when we come back in the second half hour of the show because you're an experiencer. And it's very rare to have somebody with a high level of scientific degree like the masters you have and come out as an experiencer of the phenomena overall. Do you consider yourself special in that way that you have all the understandings of science but you also have this incredible understanding that there's more out there. I don't like to consider myself special because I think about special needs. I don't know why I make that association, but we're all special, I guess is what I mean. And if we're all special, no one is special. Does that make sense? It's kind of a language trick, but there's enough of us who aren't special that I don't feel special put it to you that way okay. in other words there's a lot look at bob lazar just briefly before the break bob lazar scientist there's lots of scientists lots of engineers lots of great minds who have had direct experiences with paranormal with paranormal phenomenon whether it's a ufo a ghost bigfoot it happens all the time esp happens all the time very true very true but there's a lot of people in science who are still in quite denial over the fact of an extraterrestrial presence on Earth. Yes, but I think two two factors are at play there. And I, I hope, well, I'm sure I'll be misunderstood. I just don't mean this in any mean-spirited way. Scientists are trained to be empiricists. I know this because I grew up in a family of empiricists. These are factoids. These are people who like facts. Okay. We all know a guy who only occasionally shaves for big occasions, and it's because that occasional shave really hurts. It's the time of year for big occasions, and yet there he is, suffering with that cheap drugstore razor. Let's help him out. Henson Shaving's line of razors, built with aerospace precision, deliver a smooth shave your dad, brother, and even son can enjoy, eventually. With replacement blades just 10 cents each, you'll buy it once, and they'll use it for life. How's that for the perfect gift? Celebrate with 100 free blades on your first purchase, and no subscription headaches. HensonShaving.com slash holiday. Make your holidays magical with Kinder Joy, the unique chocolatey treat plus toy. One half of its iconic egg shape contains layers of sweet creams with crispy wafer bites. The other half has a fun holiday toy designed to spark a child's imagination. Kinder Joy makes the perfect stocking stuffers and great gifts for kids. So open a world of surprise this holiday season. Pick up Kinder Joy at your favorite retailer today. But just because you're an empiricist who follows the scientific method doesn't mean that you can't also be metaphysical. The two aren't separate. They're, they're intertwined. That's why we have physics 
the study of natural forces and phenomena and material and forces. And then metaphysics over the top of it is the higher octave. This is very common on earth. We have in, in music, we see the octave and the higher octaves. We see a resonance and then you can have on a guitar, you can have a very high frequency by just lightly touching. There are ways to generate energies and frequencies and sound that are very mysterious, even amongst what we think of as commonplace objects, such as musical instruments. But when you really start to study musical instruments, which are also a passion of mine, I'm a musician and I love the history of musical instruments and what drives people to make music? I'm all about motivation. What drives people to do this? What drives people to talk about UFOs? What makes people creative? What makes people intelligent? Why are some people considered intelligent and others not? How come some people are regarded as mystical and others aren't? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. But I do know there's a lot of inquisitive people. And intelligence is a matter of opinion to a great degree, in my opinion, that we know there's bias in IQ testing. There's cultural bias in IQ testing. I think real intelligence has to do with levels of creativity and, and curiosity. And I saw Elon Musk talking about questions he asked people, uh, prospective uh, applicants for Tesla, the company. I saw somebody saying that aliens drive Teslas. I think that's hilarious. <laughs> But he asked them basically, uh, what's your greatest achievement and how did you how did you achieve it? You know, in other words, what was your most creative moment and what what was the process behind that? Which is really how you would ferret out someone intelligent, I think. Very because true. if no one's ever done anything creative ever, what kind of life was that? I mean, I'm biased here, clearly. <laughs> I, I don't blame you. Because we all do creative things. Giving birth is an act of creation, for heaven's sake. Very true. Gene, I'm going to get you to hold on right there because we are going to go to break here at the bottom of the hour. Author, researcher, experiencer of the unknown, Gene Broida is with us tonight on Spaced Out Radio. We are having a great night talking about all things UFO and phenomenal. What a way to spend a night with the brains of Gene Broida. Man, are we lucky. Space Out Radio continues with the second half hour right after this. Stay tuned. And we're clear. No, my eyes are all over the place. Mine too. I want to make eye contact with the camera. I want to look at you. I want to look at the chat. I'm oh just yeah, like a ping pong ball. Yeah, chat's moving quick tonight. Hey, somebody posted the link to my book. That's righteous. Thanks, Tim Tim Mothman. Tim Mothman. Tim Mothman. And he's got a beautiful Tim the Mothman. And he's got a beautiful goatee too. Tim the Mothman. Mothman's an interesting character. Hey, I've got my little stove on here because it gets chilly. I'm going to depart momentarily you, and turn it off so I don't burn to a crisp. You go, girl. We having a good time tonight, chat? We having fun? Nothing to see here. 
Nothing to see here. That's right. I am just so impressed with this fandom, with this following. Oh, it'll get bigger. I want to read some of these comments. People are on the Elon Musk now. Another one of my uh, huge topics, what's going on with all of Elon Musk's enterprises and how they interrelate to some of the paranormal narratives, although I'm sure he would deny any of it because he's he's a pretty straight, he seems to be a pretty straight up empiricist, Elon Musk, but not in an unpleasant way, you know. You know what's funny? I think if he had paranormal experiences, he'd keep them to himself. That's my personal opinion. You know what's funny? I, think- I actually saw a story about him where he was quoted as saying that every one of his SpaceX rockets have been followed, and I cannot find that article anywhere now. Followed by UFOs? Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. I think he's not supposed to talk about it. I kind of wonder if he doesn't have a contract already with probably the U.S. government, who knows what agency, that they're already, that his, basically under his direction, SpaceX is already colonizing Mars. There's already colony there and has been for quite some time. I would agree with you. It's enabling expansion. I don't know. I don't know. It's just a hunch I have. I would agree with you. He seems very concerned that environmental policy or something is going to threaten the survival of the human species species, species, and that it's imperative that we get off world to preserve our genetic heritage, which I find to be an interesting posture when we've really messed up earth. Now we're going to take it to some other planet. This, this limited thinking that leaders of the world have about, and, and, and although I am not anti-nation. If nations would actually cooperate and collaborate unilaterally, seems impossible, I know. But imagine a world, like John Lennon said, where there could be collaboration and people could actually speak freely. The likes of Elon Musk could say, hey, I know a lot more than I'm telling, and this is actually going on. But it just seems very unlikely in my lifetime to have that transparency. I don't think so either. I, and you know, Alas. I, you know, I think the word transparency is being quite overplayed right now and, and overutilized. I wouldn't disagree. In fact, it's so pervasive. I started using it clearly, you know, Mm-hmm. Uh, that was a theme at the UFO Congress, that the basic complaint of the congressional representatives was that over the decades, as people like me and many others like me have been writing books and talking about the fact that we know, our government knows that UFOs exist, mm-hmm. that we've been maligned. As crazy people, this is a sub-theme of my book, this, 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 you must be crazy to believe in UFOs, this whole, you must be crazy to believe in UFOs, the brainwashing, 
Okay. You got that right. The, the brainwashing and it's it's interesting how the brainwashing is shifting now. I'm going to get you to hold but on. But when you asked earlier, why don't uh, Well, you hold, on, hold that they... thought. Hold that thought because yeah. we do got to come back. Thank you to Louie Times 2, Pam and Charles for the amazing super chats. And we're going to get going here right now. Second half hour of Spaced Out Radio is now underway. Thank you so much for joining us. My name is Dave Scott. Always appreciate you tuning us on in wherever you are on this beautiful planet we call Earth. Want to remind you that if you've missed portions of this show or others, check out our free archives by going to youtube.com forward slash Spaced Out Radio. Do old Davey the favor, hit that subscribe button. Our website is spacedoutradio.com. We have a plethora of features for you. Rock out to Bumblefoot, read the newswire, check out our swag as well. Follow us on Twitter at Spaced Out Radio, Instagram at Spaced Out Radio Show, and you can join us on Patreon by joining the Space Travelers Club. Here we go with Gene Broida, UFOs, aliens, the Nazca lines, and we're just about to find out Gene's own experiences. Gene, welcome back to the show. Thanks, Dave. It's such a pleasure to be here. I want to call you Dave Great, Scott. Oh, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Dave, call me Great, Scott. All right. Oh, that, that, that actually rolls off the tongue nicely. Doesn't it, though? It sure does. They, they pay me to do this stuff. I'm a writer. So here's my book, Shameless Self-Promotion. I saw it uh, in the chat there. Thank you so much. Unknown, Unknown Objects, the top 10, the top 10 U.S. UFO cases by Gene Broida. Love the cover. Yeah. And if you want to write me, I invite you to do so. Email me, Gene Broida, my first name, last name, at yahoo.com. Simple, right? Love it. I invite dialogue. Please keep it above the belt. <laughs> question for you. And I appreciate nice. that. Uh, question for you. What happened when you were a child? Well, what happened was that it, it's it's very hard to put into words because I'm describing a phenomenon that's been documented by UFO researchers, where children are be children are commonly abducted when they are three and four years old because they don't yet speak, they don't have language. And they're very and and their conscious minds haven't opened up very much yet. Conscious mind and language kick in at about age seven, six or seven years old. And so if an ET wants to abduct a human being to instruct or experiment on or both. A good time to do it, or so I've re- or so my research shows me, is before they can speak, because they're highly impressionable, all subconscious. And when they are brought back, 
they can't describe in words what happened to them. And that was my case. I have every reason, well, my subconscious tells me and my oversoul confirms. And I haven't talked about this publicly until about a year ago because I haven't been really sure about it, but I'm more and more sure that when I was three and four, not only me, but my older brother, and I've never talked to him about it, and, and we wouldn't talk about this kind of thing. But I believe both of us were abducted. I, I'm the younger sister. He's a year older. And so I have memories of being led out of our bedroom window, basically, through a field behind our house in California, what is now Silicon Valley at the time undeveloped, just suburban neighborhoods, through an empty field to a gully in the foothills of, I guess it's the Sierra Mountains out there. So there was a gully where water would run through and it had been overgrown with what you would associate in a gully vegetation. So it was instead of uh, uh, straw colored grass, you know, dry grassland, uh, I was taken to a place at night that was that had green vegetation, which was odd because this was basically a savanna in my backyard, my, the, the green in the backyard, over the fence, out into the whatever it was. I don't, I don't know who owned that land, but there, were, there was a tall tower for utility lines that we weren't supposed to climb, that my brother climbed, you know, that kind of thing. We were, it, this was kind of a no man's land for kids, no kids land. But I, I, enjoy, I was a climber. I like climbing. And so I climbed the shelves in my room and I had an escape route where I climbed the shelves a certain way. And it was ritualistic. I climbed the shelves and I went out the window and I walked along a wooden fence that was basically hiding a a place where you'd put wood. And I would walk out that way and then come back in and go back the way I came. And this was during nap time and I'd get back into bed before mom would come in to check on us. But one day she did come in and she asked me why I would do this, why I did this. She thought it was very dangerous that I'm climbing on the shelves and going out the window and climbing, uh, walking on a fence that she thinks is very high for a three or four year old girl. And I had no fear. I had no fear of any of this. I wanted to climb and I wanted to do heights. We, my dad would put up ladders, step ladders over a sandbox so we could climb and he had a board, a very non-OSHA. It would, you'd be called, child protective services would be called today, but we had great fun being kids. But something changed because all of a sudden I had a couple of nightmares that really freaked me out. And one was, a, and I've read that these are called screen memories. I have every reason to think these were screen memories that were left in my mind after frightful alien objections, frightful because of the circumstances of being led through, remember at three or four years old and I'm a little kid and I was the younger sister of a bullying brother. So I was frightened all the time. Almost everything frightened me. I lived in pretty constant fear of even criticism, not physical abuse, nothing like that. Just I was at sea, if you will. I was very insecure as a, a very small child and uh, 
So I, so I know that something profound happened because during this event, I have memories where I looked to my older brother for help and he was as scared as I was on the, on the ship or wherever we were taken. I assume it was a ship. Wherever we were taken, it was an artificial environment full of beings that weren't like us, but there were other kids and blah, blah, blah. It's the same kind of story. If you research this, I don't mean to be trivial when I say blah, 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 but it's just so common that uh, you're taken aboard a craft, you're given instruction or something, and then released and often tracked after that, brought aboard again a time or two, and then left alone for long periods of time as you grow up with basically subliminal or subconscious instruction. And my experience that I recall was that I was put, I was not, I'm not a person who's involved in sexual genetic engineering. I'm not one of these alien brides. Okay. I was selected for another task and my task was educative. They said, you're going to learn how to learn. You're going to be a human who can learn and take tests and uh, like enjoy codes and symbol sets So I love music and math and English. They're all symbol sets. I love communication. They said, you're going to, your job on earth will be to elevate consciousness. And of course, at three, four years old, you don't even know what that means. They were communicating intellectually, you know, telepathically and emotionally. And like, you're going to be doing these kinds of things in your life. So you might as well get used to it, basically. And you're going to love these things. Furthermore, you're going to have passion to learn. You're going to love school and you're going to want to teach others everything, you know, and that's who I am. And that was my experience that my, that my actual experience was covered with screen memories that manifested as two nightmarish dreams. One was about waking up, suddenly waking up and sitting up in bed and having, it was basically a lucid dream, but I, I know I was awake. I, I saw Disney-like characters, well, birds, just like from uh, Snow White. She calls birds and they come and yeah. Snow White calls the birds. They come and they fly around her and they, they string garlands and they help with the housework and all this stuff. Well, there were birds like that that looked like that. But to me, they were very menacing because they were building a nest in my hair. And I thought that was very intrusive. At three years old, four years old, it was freaking me out. And they didn't seem cheerful and happy like the Disney birds, okay? So this could be a screen memory. I'm just saying it could be a screen memory of medical procedures, for example, where they're messing around with my hair. They're doing stuff in my head area. And to block that memory, they had me waking up with animated birds flying all around my head and chirping. That's what I experienced. And some of them had little straw in their beaks. And and it just was weird. It was just, it was so weird. I was shrieking. I started shrieking. You know, it wasn't a pleasant Disney memory. This was something really freaky, weird. And I started shrieking. My mom came in. What happened? What happened? I told her what happened. She said, oh, they're there. Just a nightmare. Second event was much more banal. I was sleeping and I woke up convinced there was a dog in the room. We didn't own a dog. And I was afraid of dogs for reasons that is a whole other story. (laughs) Several stories, in fact. I just didn't. I, I had a fear of dogs. And I was convinced there was a dachshund curled up 
on the rug at the foot of my bed. And I was in bunk, bed, bunk beds on the lower bunk with my brother above. I was convinced there was a dog there and I didn't want to get out of bed, stepping over this dog, thinking I would wake it up and it would bite me. Okay, this is how a kid might think. This is how I thought. I was a kid, three, four years old. This is what I thought. So I started yelling for mom, 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 come help me. So she came in and she switched on the lights and showed me it wasn't a dog at all. It was my slippers, which were arranged in such a way that somehow I was seeing something that wasn't there. And I'm a very literal person. I'm not... I'm not a dreamer per se. It just was really, really weird. And because of the second dream, the dog dream came after the first one, I began to doubt maybe that first dream was also a misinterpretation of something real, like, you know, the dog was slippers. Clearly they were slippers when the light was on. There was no dog there. I was seeing a dog in the dark, but when the light went on, they became slippers very clearly and Clearly, there's no dog here. You know, I shouldn't be afraid. I think I was still afraid and sobbing. All these things impacted me really emotionally and maybe more emotionally than you would think they would, which is another uh, trait of a screen memory from a childhood abduction. So Sounds I, like I, it. I know it's not very amusing, but it was very profound. And, it, and I believe that that is why when I reached puberty, I began to reach out into the paranormal and devour books on the topic. That makes a lot of sense. Zycam knows that when you live life to the fullest, you never want to let a cold slow you down. With Zycam's cold shortening products, you can actually shorten colds when taken at the first sign. And with the winter chill in the air, you need the number one cold shortening brand to help shorten a cold when taken at the first sign this season. Because you should never let a cold stop you from missing out on your favorite moments of the season. Click here to shop Zycam, the number one cold shortening brand. Make your holidays magical with Kinder Joy, the unique chocolatey treat plus toy. One half of its iconic egg shape contains layers of sweet creams with crispy wafer bites. The other half has a fun holiday toy designed to spark a child's imagination. Kinder Joy makes the perfect stocking stuffers and great gifts for kids. So open a world of surprise this holiday season. Pick up Kinder Joy at your favorite retailer today. I mean, was it the same beings that kept coming back, or was it different species? Well, they didn't come back. They they didn't okay. come back, per se. Do you feel fortunate about that, then? Well, I think we have an agreement. I think we made an agreement, or at some point we had an agreement, that I would follow their instructions, do their bidding, because the, the bidding is for the good of humanity. The idea is to raise consciousness as we go from 3D into 5D, which is a discussion on its own, as the Earth in the solar system on its galactic tour, as our solar system on its, on its, on its revolution around the, the galactic center goes through a part of space periodically, meaning regularly, but because it takes so long for the solar system to go around the galaxy, it's it by human terms, it's a rare event. Okay, but apparently, we, uh, the date of the end of the Maya long count. Remember the Maya long count, the end of the world, twelve twenty one, twelve. 
Yes. December 21st, 2012 was the end of the Maya Long Count. What were they counting? Well, some people think they were counting the days until our solar system reached its furthest point from the galactic center. In other words, if if the galaxies at the center and the solar system is a racehorse on a on an oval racetrack, because nothing is really round when we're talking about orbits of planets. Very few orbits have perfectly round. Uh, very few bodies in space have perfectly round orbits. They're almost all somewhat elliptical, egg shaped, not egg shaped, racetrack shaped. Okay, elliptical. So, at the furthest distance. Uh, before you get to the furthest distance, think of a horse race. It's really easy to visualize. As the horses leave the starting gate, they're getting further and further away from the starting gate. And when they're halfway around the track, they're as far away from the starting gate as they are to the finish line if those are at the same place on the track. Okay. <laughs> Maybe this isn't as clear as I thought it would be. But in any event, on that date, 12 21 12 supposedly, and this makes very much, this sounds intuitively correct to me. The solar system reached the furthest point from the galactic center, meaning it stopped going away from the galactic center. And now our solar system is going toward, toward the galactic center again in this elliptical, we're, we're basically going back to the beginning line, going back to create another rotation. And during that return, we go through a part of space that has some effect on the solar system and will have a profound effect on Earth that transmutes our perception of reality, at least to those who are attuned to this, those who are ready and prepared to, or initiated, if you will, into the awakening. Those awakened people will naturally understand and embrace ascending in consciousness from a 3D reality of empiricism to a 5D reality of empiricism combined with mysticism, if you will. Wow. And that's where we're going. That's where we're going, like it or not. Whether I'll be alive before we hit that part of space remains to be seen. But my job as a first wave light worker, now I'm using phraseology from Dolores Cannon, deceased Dolores Cannon, she talks in many lengthy YouTube videos about, in her lectures, about three waves of light workers who came in, incarnated, mostly from other planetary systems, to help humanity awaken and go from 3D to 5D. And I was a first waiver from the late 1950s, early 1960s. That's when I was born. And the first waivers were challenged by the CIA program to discredit anyone who promulgated anything that wasn't their official narrative. The second wave came 20 years later and they had an easier way because of the likes of me speaking truths that were horrific at the time and not culturally couched. And then the third wave are the so-called indigo children who are alleged to be saviors, if you will, of humanity. They are highly intuitive, highly intelligent, and way tuned into the ET phenomenon, direct mainline channel to uh, to communicating with them. 
Any of that ringing bells with you? I'm sure. Uh, it, it totally is. It totally is. We got about five and a half minutes before we have to go to break here at the top of the hour. Gene Broida is our guest tonight on Spaced Out Radio. Do you feel as if you're an ambassador for the cause of of what is going on, trying to to solve this mystery of UFOs and extraterrestrial presence on Earth? I do feel I'm an ambassador. But I don't think it's much of a mystery. I think it's pretty clear. The mystery is why our government's behaving the way it is. And all world governments are behaving the way they are. Although other, co- other world governments are opening up and have been for decades, uh, especially South American governments are much more candid about UFO sightings because they have mass sightings down there. And with the advent of the cell phone and the ability to take pictures on a mobile device, we're seeing a lot of very compelling evidence. Hundreds, thousands of people assembled. See, in South American countries, people still assemble in public. They haven't had the right to public assembly beaten out of them culturally, as we have done in the United States. So they assemble for fiestas. They, uh, they're enculturated with mass gatherings. They're just out and about. They're, they enjoy being outdoors they don't watch as much television and they don't, they're not glued to their devices as much and they will go outside and party during fiestas. And so often large groups of people are outside and they look up and they see something. They all see it because it's there for everybody to see in the United States. People are very preoccupied with their devices looking down, not up. You have to be looking up to see something in the sky. And that's really, there's been a big shift in American culture North American culture since World War II and since the advent of the iPhone that we, the, you know, Apple, the first, uh, well, the bricks that were mobile phones, but really the shrinking of the microchip, the Japanese shrinking of the microchip that allowed cell phones to be much smaller and genuinely portable, right? With longer battery life to be genuinely portable. When we had that, all of a sudden UFO reporting shot up because people could document what they saw or at least try to. And there's a joke about, honey, I see a UFO grab the worst camera in the house because all those UFO, the first UFO pictures were very fuzzy and and indeterminate really. And even NASA photos were fuzzy and and indeterminate when that was supposed to be the highest technology on the planet. So what was going on? Why was NASA covering up? Why were they airbrushing photographs in the 1970s? Well, what didn't they want us to see? You know, I, as an ambassador, my curiosity lies in why this cover up? Why not just tell people the truth? And you asked, do I think they're here among us? I know they're here among us. They're here all the time. I've met aliens or people I, I really suspect to be aliens they're, they, they, uh, they appear as humans. They, they're trying to blend as humans. But if you're attuned to this vibration, you just know it's, it's a psychic component. You just know. I, I, I met a guy at a festival. He had a guitar. He's playing a John Denver song, Rocky Mountain High, and he's starting to make up new words to it and do what's called filking making up new words to a known song. So we started filking on this song I know very well. And I started singing it with him, harmonizing, which is always nice. And he became appreciative. We started to engage as musicians will and acknowledge that we're both musicians and we're not just hacking it. 
And I'm telling you, we had some psychic connection where I'm anticipating the words he's going to make up. I know what he's going to sing next. And so I'm right there with him singing along. And it was just a profoundly satisfying experience. Meanwhile, a friend of mine who was, I was with a friend who's not particularly psychic and we were on our way to do something else entirely. I stopped to hang out with a musician on the way. It was a a, a trail that was rather long and we stopped to chat with this person and have some fellowship. And this, this thing happened. And at the end of it, I said, I feel like I've met you before. Mm. And he looked at me and he said, I feel the same way. And just that little interchange, you know, that I just felt he's not from around here. Oh, I don't blame you. And I feel that way about myself for that matter. I'm a human, but I came from Pleiades apparently to help elevate consciousness. And so people who are receptive to that like my message and people who aren't don't like the message. Right. And they want to hurt the messenger. (laughs) Quite often. Are we all, we got 40 seconds. Are we all our own individual messengers? I can't answer that. I can't speak for other people. You know that. I understand that. I think everyone abducted has a, has a purpose, has a link. Clearly anyone abducted will have a link to ETs and each has a purpose. And what that purpose is, is mysterious. And if we could all consciously collect and get together and there are experiencer groups where they do just that, you know, but the problem is when you were abducted before you could speak, it's hard to speak about it. <laughs> that is true. That is true. Gene, I'm going to get you to hold on right there. We are going to go to break at the top of the hour. Hard to believe we're already one hour in to Spaced Out Radio tonight. An amazing guest, Gene Broida, talking UFOs, aliens, abduction, everything in between. And when we return, we're going to get into the Nazca lines. What's with the mummies of Peru? on Spaced Out Radio. Exciting times. Exciting. Gene, I'm going to take a quick break. I'm going to put you back in the green room, and I'll be right back. we got about five and a half minutes, okay? Thank you. Five minutes? Yep, five minutes. All right, guys, be right back. Don't go anywhere.
All right. I am back. Why native? How you doing? Good to see you. The unknown. Thanks for coming in. Mark Sanchez. How's your Hawaiian shirts? I want to remind all of you that May 10th through 12th, 2024, you are all invited to the third annual Spaced Out Radio Fan Party in Reno, Nevada at the Silver Legacy Casino and Resort. They have a deal on rooms right now, so make sure you go and book them. We want to make sure that everybody's there. We're going to have some exciting guests coming your way for you to meet, guests that have been on this show. They're all coming to hang out with you. There's going to be a live radio show. There's going to be prizes, swag bags for everybody, VIP party, and a ghost hunt. Sky Watch with Melinda Leslie. Merle's going to be there taking you to meet some ghosts. So make sure you sign up. Go to info at spacedoutradio.com. Info at spacedoutradio.com. If you're looking for Christmas presents, this is a good one. Book your trip now. We want to see you there. Thank you to Louis Times 2, Pam and Charles for the Super Chats. Here we go with hour number two. You're listening to Spaced Out Radio with Dave Scott. Follow Dave on Twitter at Spaced Out Radio and on Facebook Spaced Out Radio Show. Here we go with hour number two of Spaced Out Radio tonight. Good to have you with us. My name is Dave Scott. Very much appreciate Earning your listening ears wherever you are on this beautiful planet we call Earth. Hello to everyone listening in on our terrestrial affiliates around North America, digitally on Odyssey Radio, TalkStream Live, and KPNL. All of our archives are free. Join us at youtube.com forward slash spaced out radio. Do old Davey the favor, hit that subscribe button. The Desert Clam has set the password for tonight in the SOR Space Travelers Club. Be a trophy. Be a trophy is your password. Use it wisely, space travelers, as the clam sets the password each and every night right here on Spaced Out Radio. Our website, spacedoutradio.com. We have a plethora of features for you. Rock out to Bumblefoot, read the newswire, check out our swag as well. Follow us on Twitter at Spaced Out Radio, Instagram at Spaced Out Radio Show, and join us on Patreon in the SOR Space Travelers Club. We continue on tonight with author, researcher, experiencer Gene Broida is with us. We're going to get into one of our favorite topics, the Nazca lines and the mummies. Gene, welcome back to Spaced Out Radio. Thanks, Dave. Great to be here. Hi, everybody. Hope you're having a great evening. Yes. Morning. It's fantastic. <laughs> fantastic. Morning for a lot of our listeners already. But I, I want to ask you, what do you think of Jaime Mossan in bringing out the Nazca mummies in the in Mexico? During... What do you think about it, Dave? I'm going to turn tables on you. I'm just so curious to know. I didn't like it. I didn't. What li- about it? Didn't you like? Okay, two things. And maybe you want to fill in the listeners a little bit on what you're talking about in case they don't know. Well, uh, thank you, uh, journalist uh, Gene. There, uh, I'll just say it. <laughs> well, uh, about a month ago, a month and a half ago, there was a a conference in Mexico regarding UFOs that Jaime Mosan, the famed journalist in Mexico, had put on, and he had brought out the Nazca mummies. 
that were allegedly faked with other body parts of animals and humans mixed together a few hundred years ago. And they have been proven by American scientists not to be real over time, but Jaime seems to be hanging his his career that they are real. And he also got in trouble and is wanted down in Peru now because the mummies are not allowed to leave the country. And yet there they were in Mexico. Your thoughts on that? Well, I have to tell you, I don't know anything about this story, particularly. Is Are these those teeny tiny mummies yes. that Stephen Greer covered in a y- movie? Yes. Okay, then I do know about them. I just wasn't familiar with this guy who's and his career because I... I, that's not my interest. That's not my slant, if you will. I don't pay much attention to that kind of news because mostly it's propaganda and that doesn't have much interest for me. Um, I, I honestly don't know about this guy okay, or his well, claims or his presentations. However, I have... Uh, Zycam knows that when you live life to the fullest, you never want to let a cold slow you down. With Zycam's cold shortening products, you can actually shorten colds when taken at the first sign. And with the winter chill in the air, you need the number one cold shortening brand to help shorten a cold when taken at the first sign this season. Because you should never let a cold stop you from missing out on your favorite moments of the season. Click here to shop Zycam, the number one cold shortening brand. Make your holidays magical with Kinder Joy, the unique chocolatey treat plus toy. One half of its iconic egg shape contains layers of sweet creams with crispy wafer bites. The other half has a fun holiday toy designed to spark a child's imagination. Kinder Joy makes the perfect stocking stuffers and great gifts for kids. So open a world of surprise this holiday season. Pick up Kinder Joy at your favorite retailer today. Stephen Greer, it's a, it's a complicated topic. That's why I asked you what you think about it. The reason that I want to, I would tend to skirt the issue is that there's much, there's more going on at NASCA that interests me. There are other things going on at NASCA that interests me. Tiny alien skeletal remains or fossilized remains are one thing. But what we're actually seeing as a fact, irrefutable fact, in other words, those little skeletons, they might, I understand they were tested and found to be real. I I think that was from the movie. And then I thought Stephen Greer came back and said, the labs faked it or something. And they weaseled out of it somehow is what I remember. And, uh, and those kinds of more or less sensationalist stories don't do much for me. I'm more interested in, actual archaeological uncoverings of giant skeletons, skeletons of giants. That's one theme I do pursue in, in my presentations and thought is the, the Bible starts out very casually in one of the first paragraphs. In those days, there were giants, just like, well, everybody knows that. And when I first read that, and I'm not a Christian, when I first, but my mom said, everybody should read the Bible. They were, my parents were agnostic. And they said, choose your path. 
but be knowledgeable of all religions. So, you know, what path to choose? So, and my mom said, everybody should read the Bible. So I'm like, I'm starting to read the Bible. And in the beginning, there was the word and blah, blah, blah. And then, I'm sorry, I don't mean to defame the Bible. I was genuinely interested, especially when it tossed out this little factoid in those days there were giants. And I asked my mom about it. She said, it says right here that, that there were giants. She said, no, nah, that's a metaphor. <laughs> it's a metaphor for what? <laughs> How could you possibly interpret that statement any other way? And so now we find out, and this is not Nazca. This is the Smithsonian covering up giant skeletons. Okay, well, let's go to Nazca. What is going on at Nazca that I can speak of intelligently? This is what I see. And this is what Eric Von Donegan noticed and published in the mid-1970s, the book that started it all for me, really catapulted my interest in UFOs, Chariots of the Gods. He first published it with a question mark, Chariots of the Gods? but it's been republished without the question mark chariots of the gods, because he talked about UFOs being meta, uh, metaphorically, mythically mythical chariots of the gods. Okay. He quoted ancient texts that talked about chariots of the gods and that what would those, what is a chariot? A chariot is a conveyance, a vehicle. And if it, and if the gods who live in the sky are, are riding around in sky vehicles. What are those? Those are UFOs. I mean, if, if you like codes, like I like codes, Morse code, math codes, music codes, language codes. If you like codes you, you, and you like patterns because it's all codes and patterns, they all go together. If you count things like Monk, the fictional detective, this, all this sort of comes together and coalesces, you know, and, Boy, I'm kind of off topic. Nazca. Okay, so with Nazca, Von Donegan did this expose. He was a nobody. He was the son of a hotelier. He had no professional experience, but some impulse inside him said, go check out the pyramids. Go check out the pyramids of Egypt. Go check out the Nazca lines. Go check out these very mystical and esoteric places, Stonehenge on Earth, places on Earth, such as Stonehenge. I get excited when I think about Von Donegan. He's one of my genuine idols and I had the opportunity to meet him in person and get a selfie with him. So it's one of the highlights of my life. Von Donegan, if you don't know who he is, go check him out. Run, don't walk and get chariots of the gods. It's kind of, it might be everyday news now, but it was monumental in its day and basically world shattering because he said the things a lot of us thought, but he said it so clearly and so cogently he stitched it all together. He had pictures. And what he said about Nazca is, first of all, the Nazca lines make patterns that are discernible only from the air. And the, another phenomenon on earth that shares that property is crop circles. And I also study crop circles and I present a lot on crop circles. That's one of my very favorite topics, but it's very pictorial it makes a good PowerPoint presentation or a slideshow, okay? So Nazca lines, they're only visible from an altitude. And they're at the top of a mountain range. So there are no higher peaks, per se. There's no overlook to the Nazca lines. You, the first people who noticed them in modern times launched hot air balloons back when that was a very new thing. And kind of dangerous, right? Untested technology, hot air balloons. They went up in hot air balloons. Tourists went up in hot air balloons. They looked over NASCAR. They went, whoa, there's a spider down there. And there's, there's a monkey. And there's another thing. There's a human. That thing looks kind of human. 
they they saw patterns etched into the mountaintop etched in other words when you get up close to the nazca lines you see there's about a one inch furrow in the ground that the ground has been removed physically over vast stretch, mile long stretches, multi-mile stretches, acres and acres of land have had very long and very straight lines and curved lines, complex geometric shapes etched out like you'd have to take some kind of, if a human were to do it, we'd have to take a little hoe or something and a pick, I don't know, something. And Because the earth is rather, it's rocky. It's a rock. It's a mountaintop. And uh, the soil on top is a lighter color than what gets, when you remove the top inch or so, the ground underneath is a contrasting color. And that's what makes the illusion of the lines. They're actual lines, but they appear in contrast because the soil is different colors. Because the soil has a is different heights where it's etched. It's been etched out, carved out. I don't know if I'm saying that right or not, but what Don, Von Donegan noticed was that the entire mountaintops had been shorn flat. <laughs> and when you look at the pictures, you can see it. You can see it very clearly. If you look with a geologist's eye, you can see that in the area of Peru, where all this is going on, the there's normal mountains and they, they, they reach a normal apex in the configuration of this mountain range. They go up and they come down. And there's a high point, the peak or the apex. Well, these where the Nazca Plains are, they're plains. But they weren't originally plains, P-L-A-I-N-S. They were not flat planar areas. Von Donegan said they'd been scraped. Some huge force scraped mountaintops to carve or and then carved drawings in them. Drawings of things on earth and abstract drawings. And a lot of the etchings look like runways, modern airplane runways. And they go for very long distances. They're very accurate. They, if you're on the ground, you would just like with crop circles, to, to create a crop circle on the ground, you need measuring instruments. I'm not saying it wouldn't be possible. I'm just saying it's very strange. <laughs> it's very strange and very perplexing. To my mind, much more perplexing than a purported skeleton of a very tiny alien. Yes, that would be astonishing, but it seems highly unlikely to me, the skeptic. Whereas a force... Beings that inhabit spacecraft that defy modern physics, in my mind, would well have the capability to shear off a mountaintop and use energy sources to sandblast or, or carve mountaintops if they wanted to. And basically, out of boredom, you know, if you look at some of the drawings at NASDAQ, it looks like they were bored. And this is basically graffiti or something very much like graffiti. They were put on Earth, stationed on Earth. They had to hang out. They had little cruisers. They could cruise around, and they could, they had laser weapons probably, or and they could carve. So they said, "Well, let's just flatten a mountaintop and make it etch, you know, make a, a canvas like a painter would do, very large scale canvas." And perhaps they were directional, 
Perhaps they were used for landing. I don't think it was a spaceport, though. My every sense is that it wasn't a spaceport. It had another purpose entirely, which is still yet to be discovered. But what do you think? I'm very curious about the size of the Nazca lines. I they're mean, huge. They're massive. I would love to they're see miles them. long. I mean, and they're still finding them. That's and they're, they're thousands of years old. They're antique. They're, I mean, they're pre. I, I don't want to say prehistoric because that's a wild claim. <laughs> I don't know. I should know the date of the Nazca lines, but they're way, way old. They're very old, and and they've lasted this long. That's another. That's another interesting thing about them. They've endured time. Yeah, like the pyramids have endured time, and the Sphinx has endured time. And what's crazy is that other pyramids are now being uncovered in Bolivia. You're hip to that, right? Yes. That somebody used uh, uh, space, what do you call it, GPS, satellite GPS? Yes. And uh, determined through geometric imaging, laying over geometric shapes, that this is too perfect in geometry to be natural. We suspect human intervention or some some intelligence has intervened and, and shaped this mountain, that it's not a natural shape. And then they started excavating, and lo and behold, they see evidence that it's actually a pyramid, you know. Zycam knows that when you live life to the fullest, you never want to let a cold slow you down. With Zycam's cold shortening products, you can actually shorten colds when taken at the first sign. And with the winter chill in the air, you need the number one cold shortening brand to help shorten a cold when taken at the first sign this season. Because you should never let a cold stop you from missing out on your favorite moments of the season. Click here to shop Zycam, the number one cold shortening brand. We all know a guy who only occasionally shaves for big occasions, and it's because that occasional shave really hurts. It's the time of year for big occasions, and yet there he is, suffering with that cheap drugstore razor. Let's help him out. Henson Shaving's line of razors, built with aerospace precision, deliver a smooth shave your dad, brother, and even son can enjoy, eventually. With replacement blades just 10 cents each, you'll buy it once, and they'll use it for life. How's that for the perfect gift? Celebrate with 100 free blades on your first purchase, and no subscription headaches. HensonShaving.com slash holiday and that they're all over these pyramids are literally all over the earth not just in i mean they're the great pyramids are in are in giza of egypt but there are pyramids littered all over the earth what was the purpose of the pyramid was it an energy source an observation deck uh, something that a spaceship could land on top of because the underneath of the spaceship is is that shape you know, it can go on top of a pyramid. Think of what maybe a pyramid is a base for a spaceship to land. That's actually what I think the purpose of Gobekli Tepe is. Gobek, Gobekli Tepe. Gobekli Tepe, <laughs> which means pot-bellied hill in, in Aramaic, I think. Uh, so modern-day Turkey, this is that, that astonishing archaeological f- discovery. It's a dig where they dated these pillars they first unearthed back 14,000 years ago. Okay. And it's 2000 now. So they're 12,000 BC. They date to 12,000 before Christ, 14,000 years ago. And they've pushed back theories of human origin. However, I put it to you, there's nothing human about what they're finding at Gobekli Tepe. 
nothing human about it. This was constructed by ETs and filled in by ETs with a rock that doesn't exist in the area, a gravel that they brought in from somewhere else to purposely fill in the site to make it traceless until two years ago. It's been more than that, five years ago when it was unearthed, you know, started to be unearthed. It's a vast complex they're finding out, vast complex of what they're calling temples. Everything anthropologists and archaeologists don't know what it was for. They call a temple. But these weren't temples. These were spaceports. This was a big spaceport, I think. The spaceports were up north and the gold mines were down south in Africa. And I'm pretty sure that modern day Turkey, this would have been a spaceport. And so that these pillars they're finding, which are carved in in relief it's called there's a term for it in art bas relief is the nazca lines the nazca lines are bas relief where there's a surface and the surface is carved away so most uh sculpture not sculpture but most um tablets that we see are carved they're incised with a tool they're carved out but, but this other relief, high relief, I think it's called ba means low. Low relief is when you carve out. High relief is when you carve away from and you leave the subject from the original material. So it's the opposite art, artistic technique. And this is not done in wood, but in stone. In stone, there are, there's in one case, a pillar has a human hand wrapping around the corner of this pillar. This is very difficult to do in sculpture. Very, very difficult to do. There is a creature, a mythological creature, that's climbing down a pillar in high relief. You have to carve all the rest of the pillar away and leave the animal there. It's crazy. It's just crazy. No one talks about this, this element of it. This is astonishing. Everybody's like, oh, it was a human temple. Humans were that old, and they built this thing as a temple. No. No, 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 no. Humans had no part of this. Humans were probably not even on the scene. Who knows? If there were humans, they were very primitive, I would imagine, because this thing is way old. This is back when the Anunnaki arrived. They built spaceports in the north to bring gold out of South Africa and send it back to their home planet. This has to be what that was. And I compared the structure of these Tuning fork, some people call these tuning forks. They're T-shaped pillars. They're very solid T-shaped. I took a picture of the supports used in Colorado, CDOT, Colorado Department of Transportation, built an overhead railroad, a monorail, to go from Denver International Airport to a bus station called Seven Mile, okay, that loops around a highway called Interstate 225. Okay, so this connects the eastern, I don't know which is right, your right or your left. To the east of Denver proper is Denver International Airport. And a lot of people wanted a fast way to get from the airport, which is a half hour from downtown if you drive it or more, depending on traffic. They wanted a quicker way to get to some, basically a park and ride. It'd be a park and ride. So the CDOT built an overhead train to do that. And as they were building, I lived there while they were building it and it was in my neighborhood. So I, I drove around and I took pictures, idly took pictures of these things, marveling at the engineering. And then 
Gobekli Tepe was unearthed and they showed pictures of the pillars and I showed them side by side. It is the same structure. These are not cosmic tuning forks. These had nothing to do with temple. These were very practical, very engineering structures. These were engineered to withstand great pressure and great, great weight. They may have had platform roofs, but I think they may have been open and they received spacecraft. That was their purpose. And there are a lot of them. They were landing fleets. That's my theory. And I should write a book on it before somebody takes the idea and writes their own book. But they probably already have done. Because if you thought it, somebody else has written a book about it, right? Isn't that always the case? <laughs> you know, we've got two minutes to go before we have to go to break at the bottom of the hour. Gene Broyden. And I just talk and talk and talk, don't I, Dave? I love it. I love it. You're making my job very easy tonight. Very, very easy. Okay, I, I'm very curious on on your thoughts of what aliens want here. What attracts? Well, everybody wants to know that. Everybody wants to know that. Well, and, well, and different aliens seem to want different things. Well, let's get into that. We got 90 seconds, and we can carry it 90 over. Seconds. Okay. Well, would you agree with me that there seem to be three types of aliens: those who are actively pro-human, those who are neutral human. And those who are actively anti-human. I think that's a fair statement. Okay. So with that in mind, then reason or purpose becomes a little easier to comprehend. And also understand we're humans. How can we possibly understand alien mindset? I think it's very presumptive to think we could ever understand alien mindset. What they think, what they intend, what they regard as purpose. Do they even have a notion of what purpose is? Right? We're very bigoted being terrestrial. Human beings are bigoted by our nature. We are veiled by our own filters of perception. And they are not. They are not bound by the limitations of our perception. And so, what is their purpose? I think a lot of them, the vast majority, are scientists. A few are diplomats, a few are military. Well, probably a good number of them are military. And one and, four, and so there's security, right? But I think uh, uh, I think a lot of them are scientists and engineers. And this also jives with a source book I have, which I recommend everybody get a hold of and read, Interview with an Alien, which is an alleged transcript of an army nurse who telepathed with a captured alien who wouldn't talk to anybody else but her because oh, she didn't wow. want to kill it. <laughs> she was the only one. She was the only woman in a bunch of men who had a list of questions to ask this alien to interrogate it. She was like the only one who was like, oh, gosh, poor thing must be frightened. I would be, you know, who didn't actually just want to kill it. <laughs> All the men in the room. Gene, hold on right room. there. We are going to go to break here at the bottom of the hour. We have Gene Broida for another 30 minutes here on Spaced Out Radio. More alien talk. When we return with the author of Unknown Objects, Spaced Out Radio continues right after this. Stay tuned. Beautiful. Beautiful. I told you it would be hard to get a word in edgewise. I'm not having any issue with that. I'm just enjoying this chat so much. Yeah, they're good people in there. There's some funny people out here. Mm Mm-hmm. 
and some sage wisdom. Here's one. The best thing we could do for Gaia, Mother Earth, is dig up old parking lots so she can breathe, plant trees and prairie grass. Jenny, that's a great idea. Hi, Justin Hemmingson and Gailey C. How are you? Wow. Very intelligent audience I'm seeing. Very on the ball. Tuned in. Oh, Charles loves my hair. Thank you, Charles. Glad you're having fun. I'm having a ball. I hope you are. I am. I'm having a blast. So what do you really think about the tiny alien skeleton? What's what's the latest news on that? I had I stopped following it. I kind of lost interest. I don't think it seems that, sensational. Yes. I agree with you. And you know what? The truth is so sensational. I don't feel a need to dig at the sensational stories, the so-called sensational stories. And and I don't put any stock in pundits that come forth and claim academic reputation, especially I've got advanced degrees. Uh, sorry. One advanced degree. I've got an undergraduate double teaching major and a, and a master's. in. We all know a guy who only occasionally shaves for big occasions. And it's because that occasional shave really hurts. It's the time of year for big occasions. And yet there he is suffering with that cheap drugstore razor. Let's help him out. Henson Shaving's line of razors built with aerospace precision deliver a smooth shave your dad, brother, and even son can enjoy eventually. With replacement blades just 10 cents each, you'll buy it once and they'll use it for life. How's that for the perfect gift? Celebrate with 100 free blades on your first purchase and no subscription headaches. HensonShaving.com slash holiday. Make your holidays magical with Kinder Joy, the unique chocolatey treat plus toy. One half of its iconic egg shape contains layers of sweet creams with crispy wafer bites. The other half has a fun holiday toy designed to spark a child's imagination. Kinder Joy makes the perfect stocking stuffers and great gifts for kids. So open a world of surprise this holiday season. Pick up Kinder Joy at your favorite retailer today. Science. And a lot of people have master's degrees now. I'm not bragging. I'm just saying that I don't pull my academic cred card very often. I introduce myself to couch who I am, but I don't keep playing it over and over and over and beating that drum that because, for example, because uh, I'm thinking of Avi Loeb, just because he's a Harvard dude. Everybody bows down and worships him. Well, I'm a Harvard dropout. Bow down and worship me. <laughs> <laughs> you know? And uh, who was it? Bill Gates dropped out of Harvard or Zuckerman? One of them. You know, a lot of people have dropped out of Harvard. A lot of people have graduated. It, you asked me if I'm special. I don't think so. I, I'm unique, but I don't think I'm special. And so these Harvard or MIT... MIT, actually, I have, I think, MIT are are scientists, so I give them more credit. But Harvard, Yale, okay, these guys, the Harvard versus Yale, this whole thing, I don't put a lot of stock in it because there's a lot of politics going on there. And I'm not interested in that level of the politics, that underhanded behind the scenes 
ivory tower, let's perpetuate the cover-up politics. The politics I'm interested in is what's going on now and what Steve Bassett has been doing for decades. He's the first self-styled exo-political ambassador to Congress or, or to the nation, right? The first U.S. representative. Even before the United Nations appointed, created an office for an exo-politician, basically, an exo-ambassador. The United Nations has a position for a per, has a, a woman, at last I knew it was a woman, who whose job is to interface with ETs, should they show up. Huh. I want that Interesting. job. Interesting. You'd think maybe they already had shown up. Right. Makes sense. They never left. They they created us, and they and some of them never left. A lot of them left, but some of the original ones are still around, and then others have come. And we're a beautiful, attractive planet spinning in a black void of space. We're we're blue and white. We're we're described as a marble, right? Do you remember Men in Black? Yes. The end scene. I'll never forget it. That pullback, yes, from the cats, the cats, um, orb, right? Mm-hmm. Pulled it back, and it's a world in a world in a world of galaxies and universes. I really think that's how it is. It's and like Horton. That, it's uh, like Horton. Here's a who. Finding the Earth is an achievement. I think we're we're out on this far flung arm of a spiral galaxy, in. A galaxy of galaxies in in in, a, in trillions of galaxies. The, hold the, on. The amount the amount of mass, the amount of of. You need to hold on right there because we got to go to the show here. Here we go. Here we go with the second half of Spaced Out Radio tonight. My name is Dave Scott. Very much appreciate earning your listening ears wherever you are on this beautiful planet we call Earth. Reminder to all of you that if you miss most of this show or others, check out our free archives by going to youtube.com forward slash Spaced Out Radio. Do me the favor, hit that subscribe button. Our website, spacedoutradio.com. We have a plethora of features for you. Rock out to Bumblefoot, read the Newswire, check out our swag as well. Follow us on Twitter at Spaced Out Radio, Instagram at Spaced Out Radio Show, and you can find us on Patreon in the SOR Space Travelers Club. Final time tonight, author, researcher, experiencer Gene Broida is with us talking about aliens and what they want here. Can we even <laughs> surmise what they are doing here? Gene, welcome back. <laughs> I'm laughing because I'm reading Derek's chat. Bird, 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 bird is the word. <laughs> bird, 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 bird is the word. <laughs> I think he was talking about my uh, dream in childhood. I love the way you guys think. Well, but we're back. We're back in the saddle. <laughs> yes. Aliens, <laughs> your thoughts. Why are they here? What do they want? Why are they here? Well, I, I can tell you, actually, I, I actually know that story. That's the story 
that's written down in the most ancient writings known on earth. Writings, not pictograms, not pictures, but actual writing is the first writing is attributed to the Sumerians. And Sumer was a country, an area in the east, other side of the world from where we are. It predated Babylonia, which predated Egypt, what we think of as ancient ancient Egypt. And so I happened to notice Sumerian artifacts in museums when my folks took us over to Europe on vacation. They liked museums. They were sciencey, geeky people. So I, I was drawn to these uh, cylinders that had bas-relief carving on them. And it turns out years later, decades later, anthropologists discovered that when you take these clay cylinders and you roll them, hardened clay cylinders, and you roll them, some, by the way, some of them were stone. But when you roll these clay cylinders over wet clay, it leaves an imprint. And you can read it. This was how they kept records on a cylindrical tube. They didn't have paper. So these, the very first records from Sumer were accounting for crops and livestock, for taxes. So we know the Anunnaki, who, okay, so I'm getting a little bit ahead of myself. Okay, so first text discovered, first writing attributed to Sumer and the Sumerians. Okay, so where did they get writing from? How did they get writing? Where did it come from? They, according the Sumerians chronicled, they got writing and everything else in their civilization, in fact, being, they got being from uh, an alien species called the Anunnaki. Now, a lot of people listening are going to know this story, or at least part of it. You know, that, that won't be a strange word, the Anunnaki. The Anunnaki were ETs who came from a planet called Marduk, and they came to mine gold, and it wasn't just gold to make coins. It's something called monatomic gold, one, one atomic gold, monatomic. Don't know much about monatomic gold per se, except that they were going to use it to inject somehow into their atmosphere to fix it, to repair their atmosphere on their home world. So they came here because Earth was rich with gold and didn't have any species on it to stop them from taking the gold. So they came with a slave species called the Ijiji. And this, the Ijiji were very pale-complected and not strong. Their bone structures were not strong. They were pale and weak. And they'd been bred on a planetary system that did not have intense electromagnetism and gravity like Earth has. Earth is considered a very dense planet. And the electromagnetic field is very active. And the gravitational pull is very strong. And it traps entities that are out of body. It can trap entities that are out of body. So they have to be very careful. Anyway, the Anunnaki came in spaceships. They came and they landed. And they brought their slave race to mine this. They had a plan when they showed up. They, they came for the gold. So they landed in the Sinai up in North Africa for reasons that I don't fully understand. I Probably climate 
just not quite so bloody hot, but who knows why? Uh, near the Mediterranean Sea, maybe it had to do with water. I don't know why they chose the Sinai, but they did. And so they began to populate the Sinai, and then they populated South Africa. And there's lots of people doing splendid research in South Africa on ancient archaeology down there, including I want to shout out Michael Tellinger. I've met Michael Tellinger. He's straight up, and now he's looking at how to solve uh, global societies through the one small town movement, which has nothing to do particularly with extraterrestrials, but it's interesting how his mind works and how he has evolved from looking at very clear archaeological evidence of giants and aliens inhabiting South Africa and what they were doing down there, which is somewhat horrific. That's a topic for another day. But their principal activity was mining gold, and they did it. The Ajiji said, this is hard work out in the hot sun. Inside the mine was cool, but when they came outside, this is hard work. We don't want to do this anymore. And they revolted. And after the slaves revolted, the Anunnaki killed them all. And now having no workforce, the Anunnaki went on earth, appealed to their higher, to their king, Anu, back on the homeworld, Anu. An is the Egyptian god of everything, the god of the sun, god of creation, from whom we come, Anu. And same, same entity. So the king on Marduk said, I think reluctantly, if I read this right, he said, yeah, go ahead, make make Homo sapiens sapiens out of a more primitive form of Homo sapiens, which is what they did. And it took many trials to get success. And this is chronicled apparently in Egyptian tableaus that show there's actually, I saw a tableau that showed a surgery basically where you had a whole human and a whole hawk. And in the next panel, both the heads had been cut off. And in the third panel, the hawk head was put on the human body like a cartoon, like a cartoon would be panels of a cartoon. And we know that the Egyptians had gods with human bodies and animal heads. Well, was this residual from Sumerian experimentation on how to hybridize proto-humans to make them useful as slaves in gold mines? Well, they finally hit upon the winning combination and they created what the Bible would call Adam and Eve, who were not necessarily individual humans, although probably they were originally individual humans. But when they got a winning recipe for how to make a human, they went with it and they created colonies of Adams and Eves, which is what you would do as a geneticist. You wouldn't just have one. I mean, it's a bit unrealistic. To, I mean, but however, as a biologist, from the one cell, I mean, this is the mystery of life, how when a woman is impregnated, a single cell divides and, and divides and divides and divides and divides. And eventually it becomes an embryo that becomes a fetus, it becomes a baby that gets born. How is this possible? Who did this to us? Who did this to animals on earth? I don't know. Actually, I do know, but that's a story for another day. It wasn't the Anunnaki. The Anunnaki took existing animals on earth and, put some of their own genetic material in us. That was what they had been missing. They had to introduce some of their own genetic material into us to get what they wanted, a subservient slave species that was smart enough to, to understand them and their instructions. 
the species. And so they and so they wanted gold. They took the gold, and they still want the gold. And what do we still do today? We slave for gold. True that. The species that are here, though, why do most people then see these little scientific biological that we call greys hanging around? Greys are, if not, uh, well, greys may be a species. I've also heard that, well, I've heard several things about greys, that there are many types of greys, whether they're an actual species or both a species and drones, basically um, biomechanical shells to house intelligences, out-of-body intelligences. This is the most compelling argument I've heard, that they're basically bio-robots. The greys are bio-robots, the ones that are glassy-eyed and show up and do things without speaking or doing anything much telepathically. They just perform routine functions. They're probably droids of some kind. Whereas there are other uh, species of greys that are taller, and there are many kinds of greys, apparently, many, many, many kinds of greys. And some are more intelligent than others, some are more advanced than others, and they all have different attitudes toward humans. So why do people see gray aliens? It's because probably because they're the workforce of other alien species, including other gray aliens. <laughs> Confused yet? Are they the so you you believe they're the worker bees of all of the different major species out there? That's the word on ufology street. Okay. Have you been in contact with these greys? No, I have not. And oh, that reminds me of something. Uh, part of my agreement as a as a very young child, I think, was that, or perhaps later when they visited me later, I'm sure they visited me my whole life, probably overnight dreaming. And or they can abduct people and bring you back to where a second has elapsed. You wouldn't even know you were gone. I mean, this is how this is how crazy this gets. But uh, oh, I'm sorry, my, my my mind is just rambling all over the place, it's, and it's very late for me. Could you restate the what was I about to reveal? Oh, it was about tell me. <laughs> well, just just more so, so losing it. Just more so about their reasoning behind the scientific experiments that these greys seem to do for us or to us? Well, they're inquisitive. Why does a scientist do anything? Why do we, why do kids like an ant farm? Why do kids stare for hours in an ant farm and then take the ants out and kill them? I don't know. Indeed. There's some things we just can't know. But one thing the Anunnaki noticed was that proto-humans were very violent and strong. And the Anunnaki, being off-worlders, were not strong physically. They were technologically enabled. And in a sense, they hid behind their technology to get their will, right? But uh, they were fairly feeble physically, intellectually superior, and... uh, they wanted control over their human subjects, that's for sure. And they still want that. However, there's a faction of them, the so-called fallen angels. This is my thesis, my theory. The fallen angels really uh, were on the side of the human beings and wanted us to know of our divine origin. They were all, we're all children of God and that we were bioengineered by the Anunnaki for this specific purpose to labor for them. 
and that we really don't need to anymore. I mean, we don't need to be their slaves, perhaps. That, And even if we do need that under some contract or agreement that we never signed on to, we as human beings have this alien gene or, or DNA component. It's a DNA splice. It's not a whole gene, but it's a sequence. It's a DNA sequence that we have that's not found in any other animal on Earth. This is astonishing. This is impossible, actually. It's impossible for this to be, and it is, that we have human beings have a gene splice that doesn't exist anywhere else on the planet, and we are the only species that we know of that prays, meditates, communes with God directly. And it is my opinion that that divine spark is what this genetic component is, that this genetic component governs that and some other traits that we have too as human beings. And that the Anunnaki, having put that spark into us, that trait into us, uh, that the original creators were of mixed mind. Some of them wanted us to know that we could basically astral travel. We could develop our psychic faculties to the point where we could astral travel and commune directly with divine sources, our oversoul and the Akashic record. But then the, the guy in charge of the spaceports, not the bioengineering, the guy in charge of the spaceports and off-world activities going back to the home planet said, no, 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 we must keep the humans ignorant. And then a big fight. They fought over that. Yes, that I can see. Well, what do you think they want with humans, especially those who go from generation to generation to generation being taken? I don't really know. They've never said they're very coy. You know, they're not big talkers. True. <laughs> True. They're more observers. I would think, that, I would think a, more, a more realistic answer would be that different groups would have different objectives. I can see that. And they are more more silent than anything, unless you get the ones that are kind of speaking telepathic to you, which is always kind of fun. Are you familiar with that Swiss guy, Billy... Billy Meyer, the one who's been... Yeah. Yeah, he... Has he been debunked? Yes. Okay. And That was pretty astonishing. For viewers and listeners who don't know, Billy Myers was a Swiss guy who who produced photographic evidence and videos claiming UFO contact from Mm. what, the 1920s? 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s. Fairly long time ago, before World War II, if memory serves. And... It was very compelling, but apparently a complete fraud. Yeah, it's too bad. It's very well, I'll tell you a more interesting story to me is uh, there are a lot of interesting anecdotes that you find as a UFO researcher. There's one out of South America. The strangest things come out of South America. And one was uh, another mass sighting. Villagers looked up and they saw a UFO approach from above and descend and take up a holding position as a uh, saucer, basically, with panoramic windows. And they could see entities in, behind the windows inside the craft looking down upon them. And it hovered there for a good long while, watching them. They were watching each other. And it creeped the humans out, of course. 
what were they doing there? Were they sightseeing? Were they, were they counting people? Were they seeing who would react to their showing up? You know, were they teenagers joyriding? Who were they? What do they do? We don't know. But somebody knows. Somebody in our government knows for dang sure. And they're not telling. And why aren't they telling? Because they want control. They want control over us. It's all about control. And that's why our government is panicking. The Pentagon is panicking because they're hiding behind air, airspace threat. Airspace threat. UFOs constitute an airspace threat. Therefore, we must obliterate them. We must smush We all know a guy who only occasionally shaves for big occasions, and it's because that occasional shave really hurts. It's the time of year for big occasions, and yet there he is, suffering with that cheap drugstore razor. Let's help him out. Henson Shaving's line of razors, built with aerospace precision, deliver a smooth shave your dad, brother, and even son can enjoy. Eventually. With replacement blades just 10 cents each, you'll buy it once, and they'll use it for life. How's that for the perfect gift? Celebrate with 100 free blades on your first purchase, and no subscription headaches. HensonShaving.com slash holiday zycam knows that when you live life to the fullest you never want to let a cold slow you down with zycam's cold shortening products you can actually shorten colds when taken at the first sign and with the winter chill in the air you need the number one cold shortening brand to help shorten a cold when taken at the first sign this season because you should never let a cold stop you from missing out on your favorite moments of the season click here to shop zycam the number one cold shortening brand them we must i mean it's just so unrealistic the thinking is so bizarre that if we of the u.s military that because we cannot control them and because the technology is so far beyond ours we must fear them first of all our attitude must be fear suspicion and we must assume a defensive posture because they could obliterate us well honey if they wanted to obliterate us they would have obliterated us a long time ago because they've been around since we've been around, because they created us. The whole narrative, the, the U.S. government's narrative, doesn't hold up to anything. It doesn't hold up to archaeological evidence, the Sumerian texts. It doesn't hold up to decades of empirical research, uh, non-empirical research, as in anecdotes and uh, what do they call them now? Civilian scientists civilian scientists collecting information and writing books about uh, so-and-so said this, so-and-so reported that, even collecting newspaper reports. In 1946, Mabel and Abel were out on their porch and they saw a bright light come down and took out their windmill. And it wasn't a meteor. They walked over and there wasn't anything there. You know, there was no smoking hole. There's just the thing glanced off their windmill and shot off and flew away. It's amazing how story. many stories. That's like a story that. that I read. You know, it took out somebody's windmill back before radios, even I think. You know, so it wasn't nobody much knew about it until you start to collect newspaper reports and you start to analyze and look at these stories and see what's similar about them and what's different. And that's fascinating my, my whole life. The, the common threads through all these stories because there are a lot of common threads. Three and a half minutes before we have to say goodnight to you. And I I'd, can't believe it. I'd be remiss if I didn't uh, ask you about your your love of Bob Lazar. Well, before, if it's really three and a half minutes, I have to plug my book a little more. It makes a great gift. Christmas is coming. It's 10 easy-to-read cases from the Foo Fighters after World War I to the Phoenix Lights 
1987 mass sighting in the United States, top 10 book. You know you want it. Help me out. Help your friends out. Become educated. And what was your question? What do I think about Bob Lazar? Bob Lazar, I think he's the real deal. I have a lot of admiration for the man. It would be my greatest fortune to meet him someday, but I doubt it will happen because he he's not attention-seeking. And I'm not particularly active in the world that much anymore. <laughs> I don't go forth in the world that much. But he, as I told you before the show, I would listen to Bob Lazar when he first started speaking in the late 1980s, and he had the ring of truth. He was clearly an engineer. He was clearly telling the truth for people who are psychic and, and have empathy. This man was not making it up. He had nothing to gain and all to lose. And yet he wasn't persecuted by the government. That was the real question about Bob Lazar. Why wasn't he killed? And you said, Dave, before the show, that attempts were made until Bob Bigelow, Robert Bigelow, Bob Bigelow stepped in and had a few words with powers that be. And those death threats, the death attempts stops. That's correct, right? That's what I believe, yes. Yeah, I, that's, that, whole, that rings true, actually. Rings true. Yeah, the CIA has offed a lot of people in the name of UFO cover-up. It's a, a real travesty of justice. And you'll note that the United States government has failed to apologize to people like me and... I mean, I could name UFO researchers till we're out of time, but, and I'm a very small fish in a very large pond of serious UFO researchers, believe you me, with all modesty. The government never came out and apologized to us for maligning our characters, discrediting us, and in some cases ruining lives and careers, not mine, but other people's lives and careers were ruined because they reported UFO sightings that were genuine, probably. And they were discredited as, as being false. And the people reporting that truth as being crazy and institutionalized and then killed. This is just, and that's, I want to leave on it up. So let's, let's talk about something upbeat. The good news. What's the good news? The good news is that for years and years and years, anybody studying UFOs wished for, hoped for, prayed for disclosure. And disclosure meant our government being transparent, telling the truth. Well, it's happening now, and I'm living to see it. So that's great news. Will it happen in my lifetime? Will my government say, yeah, not only do we not know what the alien craft are, but we do know who the aliens are, and we have been collaborating with them, and they are here to mine gold. And everything Gene Broida said on on Spaced Out Radio on November 18th, 2023 was correct. I don't expect that. It would be great, but I'm not holding my breath. Gene Broida, thank you so much for coming on Spaced Out Radio tonight. It's been an absolute pleasure to have you here and joining us to talk UFOs and Peru and alien contact. It's been one heck of a good show. Thank you so much once again. Coming up next in hour number three, hour number three, see Steve Stockton from Among the Missing. Then right after that, Courtney Marcassani will be here for the UFO report. Hour 3 of Spaced Out Radio is jam-packed. Stay tuned. We will be right back right after this. All right, Gene, thank you so much Woo! for coming on. Very much appreciated. My pleasure. Wow, Dave, this was awesome. 
Glad you had a good time. All this chat. It's just blowing my mind. Well, you can hop in on YouTube and log in and chat away. Yeah. I'll clear the studio. All right, my dear. Thanks so much for the opportunity. You are wonderful. Thank you. I appreciate. Take care. We'll do it again. Bye. Bye. Lovely lady, that Jean Broida. I will be right back. She's probably going to come back and join you in the chat room.
All right. What a good show. Thank you, Ratsass. Very kind. Very kind. Thank you. fun doing what we do having all of you here for it need you all to tell a friend and invite them in so that way we can grow thank you louis times three charles and pam for the super chats tonight very much appreciate the love want to see you all in reno may 10th through 12th 2024 for the third annual sor fan party i will be there the entire sor team will be there Special guests like Merle, Science Bob, Melinda Leslie, Geraldine Orozco, Jim Goodall, and more. Get your hotel at Silver Legacy Casino and Resort right now. Would you like to connect with us? Head to spacedoutradio.com for all your latest show info. Now, back to Dave Scott and SOR. Here we go with the third and final hour of Spaced Out Radio tonight. Thank you so much for joining us. My name is Dave Scott. Very much appreciate earning your listening ears wherever you are on this beautiful planet we call Earth. Hello to everyone listening in on our terrestrial affiliates around North America, digitally on Odyssey Radio, Talk Stream Live, and KPNL. All of our archives are free. Join us at youtube.com forward slash spaced out radio. Do old Davey the favor, hit that subscribe button. The Desert Clam has set the password for tonight in the SOR Space Travelers Club. What do you got for us, Clam? A biotrophy. A biotrophy is your password. Use it wisely, Space Travelers, as the Clam sets the password each and every night right here on Spaced Out Radio. Our website, spacedoutradio.com, we have a plethora of features for you. Rock out to Bumblefoot, read the news wire, check out our swag as well. Follow us on Twitter at Spaced Out Radio, Instagram at Spaced Out Radio Show, and you can join us on Patreon at the SOR Space Travelers Club. It is that time of the night where we say hello to Steve Stockton from the YouTube channel Among the Missing, joining us right now. Hello, friends. Welcome to Among the Missing YouTube channel on Spaced Out Radio. I'm Steve Stockton, and I'm about to take you on an unbelievable journey of people just like you. Their stories and encounters will haunt us on Among the Missing. In 1988, a hiker had a terrifying experience that, to him, was even more frightening than encountering an apparition. As the man was hiking along the trail, he noticed a bright light emanating from the forest behind him. He was not bothered by anyone, nor did he investigate the source of the light, but he decided to set up camp for the night somewhere nearby. Later, he was awakened by a strange man standing over his hammock. The unfamiliar, lurking man also got startled, fled, and yelled to some other unseen people that the hiker was awake. Being terrified by this incident, the hiker quickly packed up his gear and hurriedly continued his hike to put more distance between himself and the unseen people. He continued hiking non-stop for some time. Nevertheless, 
while resting in his hammock some nights later, he was cut down, wrapped up, and dragged away to some undisclosed location. Unknown people beat him mercilessly as they shouted to one another while others prepared something. Luckily, the hiker got a chance to cut through his hammock and escape. He reported the incident to the authorities, but the officials never found anyone responsible for attacking him that night. And what about the couple that were watched by unknown forces? A young couple had a frightening experience while hiking on the Appalachian Trail in Virginia's southern region. During the night, while they were sleeping in their tent, they were suddenly awakened by odd noises and rustling sounds coming from outside their campsite. The young man ventured out to investigate and successfully frightened off some mysterious figures lurking about. It seemed the figures had wanted him to pursue them, but he chose not to. The couple then camped the next night with their backs against a cliff, guns at the ready. While the couple slept, the figures returned. Startled awake, the couple fired shots into the woods and the figures quickly retreated. The pair hurriedly left the area, and by midday, they noticed the silhouette of someone standing in the distance watching them. Fortunately, they were able to leave the trail and reach civilization without any harm. And now, the legend of the Wampus Cat. The Wampus Cat, also known as the Cherokee Death Cat, is a large feline resembling a mountain lion or cougar. It is said to have tan yellow fur, six legs, and striking yellow eyes. According to legend, the creature's origin is rooted in a curse placed upon a Cherokee woman who witnessed a sacred pre-hunt ritual. She took refuge beneath the pelt of a large cat and was subsequently transformed into the half-woman, half-beast featured in this popular Appalachian myth. The Wampus Cat is said to roam the mountains alone and often expresses her frustration through angry behavior. She is known for standing on her hind legs and using her supernatural powers to drive her victims insane. Even though the Wampus Cat folktale features the Cherokee people, the name likely comes from the word Catawampus, a mountain folklore that describes a boogeyman or something that had gone badly. In 1964, there were reports of a strange creature wandering around US-70. The newspaper dubbed it the Wampus Cat, and the name ended up sticking. And then there's the legend of Bigfoot. Now, legends of Bigfoot are ancient, and have been passed down through generations. Stories of wild men in the woods are known by different names in different cultures. The Salish Sasquatch call it Sasquatch, while the Algonquin of the North Central region refer to it as the Wittico or Wendigo. Other nations tell tales of a creature similar to a man, but with special powers and characteristics. According to the Ojibwe of the Northern Plains, the beast would appear during times of danger and other cultures believed that it was a warning messenger, encouraging people to alter their behavior. Starting in the late 1800s and continuing into the 1900s, North American settlers reported sightings of a mysterious creature. Huge footprints, sporadic encounters, and grainy photos and videos later only added to the mystery. The cryptid is said to stalk the woods, occasionally frightening campers, loggers, and hikers, with numerous accounts documented in the North Georgia mountains. Witnesses have described the creature as a giant upright ape or even a hairy human standing over eight feet tall and possessing a powerful, robust build. In the Berkshires of western Massachusetts, numerous sightings of Bigfoot have been reported, including along the Appalachian Trail, in Beartown State Forest, and the October Mountain State Forest. Presently, 
the debate and research continues. Entire organizations exist to study and document Bigfoot and prove its existence, and groups regularly search the Northwest woods looking for that ultimate proof. Today, individuals can commemorate this mythical monster of the Appalachian region by attending the Bigfoot Festival in Marion, North Carolina. And thank you, Steve Stockton, for coming on to Spaced Out Radio with another creepy story. We love Steve around here as he kicks off our number three every Monday through Friday night. If you want more stories just like that, what you need to do is you need to head on over to youtube.com forward slash among the missing. Hit subscribe, ring that bell when he puts up new content each and every week. All right, we are just waiting for Courtney Marcassani to hook up with us. She's having some troubles with her internet connection at her hotel after taking in the Soul Conference in California. She is trying. We're trying to effort. You know, this is where we use the word efforting. Efforting. You know, when she does, we will bring her in. You know, this UFO stuff is just getting absolutely silly. And I'm hoping that we can hook up with her because David Grush is actually speaking at this event. Yes, the whistleblower on UFOs is speaking there. And I think she may have had an opportunity to see him. I'm not sure if he spoke this evening or he's speaking uh, coming up this weekend. But nonetheless, he is at this conference. And I want to know what's going on. I want to know what the word is over there. You know, because this is where it gets really, really interesting. Very interesting, to say the least. So, we're hoping, hoping that Courtney can figure out her internet connection. You know, that's one thing about hotels. Okay? It's one thing about hotels. You you know, they provide internet connection, but you ever notice that it never seems to work properly? We all know a guy who only occasionally shaves for big occasions, and it's because that occasional shave really hurts. It's the time of year for big occasions, and yet there he is, suffering with that cheap drugstore razor. Let's help him out. Henson Shaving's line of razors, built with aerospace precision, deliver a smooth shave your dad, brother, and even son can enjoy, eventually. With replacement blades just 10 cents each, you'll buy it once, and they'll use it for life. How's that for the perfect gift? Celebrate with 100 free blades on your first purchase, and no subscription headaches. HensonShaving.com slash holiday. Make your holidays magical with Kinder Joy, the unique chocolatey treat plus toy. One half of its iconic egg shape contains layers of sweet creams with crispy wafer bites. The other half has a fun holiday toy designed to spark a child's imagination. Kinder Joy makes the perfect stocking stuffers and great gifts for kids. So open a world of surprise this holiday season. Pick up Kinder Joy at your favorite retailer today. Hook up to our Wi-Fi. It's free. Yeah, you hook up and you can't connect to anything. What's the point? What is the point? I wanted to read you guys this letter. Grant Cameron put this out on social media. I want to know your thoughts on it. He said, people wonder where they are hiding alien secrets. When I do my President Johnson book... I will explain the importance of this location. Now, this is a letter, okay, by Robert Collins. 
In a USA Today newspaper dated July 5th through 7th, 1996, there appeared in reaction to the ID4 movie an article entitled, What If They Did Land? When the different agencies were asked to join about a plan in case of an alien attack, USA Today received the following responses. No plan, say the White House. No plan, say the Federal Emergency Management Agency, otherwise known as FEMA. Relating these quotes to the reports of an elite community of members known as MJ-12, who reportedly dealt with aliens and their recovered artifacts. The following has been uncovered over the years of research. MJ-12 had a cover under which it operated, and that cover was reportedly the Office of Emergency Preparedness, Special Facilities Division. The OEP office is now the Federal Emergency Management Agency, once again, FEMA. If the reader will note that's quite something to have the reported MJ-12 group under such an office and yet have no plan in case of an alien attack, the MJ-12 name has reportedly been changed at least three or four times. The first name change in the 80s was reportedly Oraka Panel and first uh, ever since the MJ-12 security system has been changing this and other code names at the drop of a hat. And from an anonymous mailer, we get this. Wrong. The government has, or at least had, a plan to face a possible alien attack. National Strategic Operation Plan 355-1, Annex 3K, was the plan as of 1988. It might have changed, but that was the plan when I left. The plan was code word, top secret. Code word was, I better not say what it was, just in case the plan is still classified. The plan was very complex and contained 30 volumes of what-if scenarios. Now, apparently, for more information, you could Google it. That's pretty incredible. Grant Cameron doing his great work. We're going to get Grant on next month for a year in review of... UFOs, and the world. So I find it an interesting story. I really do. Because it really goes to show how many different groups there are in the U.S. government that are truly looking into this phenomena. And these are just the groups we know. Okay? Whether right now it's Arrow or it's different sections of alphabet groups like the NSA or the NRO or CIA, the FBI, all the military groups, they all have their own. They all have their own little secret codes. The Department of Energy has theirs. Okay, The Department of Nuclear Energy has theirs. Everybody seems to have their own group. The question is, are they talking to each other? Are they talking to each other and communicating about reports? This is something we need to know. Because if they're not sharing the information with us, aka the public, the media, or whomever, 
are they at least sharing the information with themselves? This is a major question that needs to be asked. Is there somebody who could answer it? Probably not, because we're so focused on the government side of things that we forget that there are other agencies out there looking to protect the secrets of the United States of America. You look at the five eyes. There's another group looking into this. The five eyes being the United States, Canada, the United Kingdom, New Zealand, and Australia. They are sharing information on everything from alleged crash retrievals to UFO close encounters. So if this is happening behind our back, who's running it? And why is there not one singular group like Arrow that is supposed to be collecting this data? I'm not even going to mention NASA because that's a joke on its own. But this is why they're trying to shut down people like David Grush and potentially ruin any future testimony from future whistleblowers because they want these trails, in my opinion, to remain dry. They want these 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 trails of information to dry up so that way people like you don't get any information. But here's the thing that I want to put in your brain here. And that is, what if they are doing this to kill ufology, to kill podcasts, to kill YouTube channels, to kill blogs and and radio shows that are trying to get this information out? Are they going to try and poison the mainstream media that is covering this topic? Because over the last year, News Nation has done a great job in covering the UFO story. Fox was doing a pretty good job at it as well until that kind of died off. CNN never really caught up. The New York Times has been inconsistent. Politico has been not too bad for an online paper. But what if they are trying to kill ufology? Remember Lou Elizondo saying a number, I guess it was over a year ago now, stating that he wanted to kill ufology? What if that's what they're trying to do? Eliminate the information of government insiders and government officials and military pilots from talking. What if they're trying to eliminate the story because it is bigger than any of us could conceptualize and they know it? Or maybe that's just looking too deep. Maybe what they're doing is trying to kill ufology to protect their own butts from prosecution, from the American public who may go haywire in learning that within these secrets are names of ordinary American citizens who have been taken, who have been 
experienced, maybe used as my labs. I don't know. It's all hypothetical. But what if? What if that is the case? Think about it here for a second. There have been a lot of clues over the last little bit here that have shown that they don't want to play in the UFO game. It started off with the United States Air Force saying, we're not participating. We've never heard anything from the U.S. Army. We've never heard any statements from the Marine Corps or the Coast Guard, and extremely few from the ones who should care in Space Force. NASA has been a joke. If you're following along here, we know they're lying. They've been lying for decades. Hiding photos, hiding videos, hiding reports that are already public from their own astronauts and test pilots. And their leader, Bill Nelson who opened up the can of worms when he stepped up to the podium for the first time after taking NASA, is the one fool who put his foot in his mouth, and he's kept it there. But I want you to just conceptualize the fact that maybe everything that is happening is happening for a reason. NASA saying they're not going to show any more videos. They're not going to release anything. They're not going to confirm or deny what's going on. So the way I look at it is this. I think they are doing it to get out of the story. They don't want to play in the UFO game anymore. There's too much to handle, too much at risk, and it isn't just about national security either. If that's the excuse they're going to live, by God, they can, they can hang their hats on that one. But I think we all know that that isn't the reason why. I think what we're seeing here is we are seeing the fact that NASA, the Navy, the Air Force, the Marines, the Coast Guard, Space Force, and the Army along with every alphabet agency, is just tired of having to talk about this subject, something that is so completely top secret that they are like, we're done. We're taking our ball. We're going home. We don't want to play with you guys anymore. You're getting too close to the truth. But what is the truth? The truth goes down two roads. The first road is UFOs, aliens, they're here, David Grush is right. But the second road is a lot more ominous. That leads to places like Area 51 and the technology that they are hiding and possessing out in places like that, that they don't want us to see. It's where the missing budget money goes. Because if you work at Area 51 in places like Los Alamos and others, it's an empty checkbook. 
You just write on the check what number you need, and boom, you get the money. Billions? Ah, that's nothing. Let's get into the trillions. Spending money for the sake of disclosure. That's where we need to be looking. Because on that secondary ominous road, what is the United States government hiding? Are they hiding zero-point energy? Are they hiding things like hypersonic travel? Somehow I don't think they're building aircraft that leak oil and gas anymore, like the SR-71 or the U-2. I don't think they're going down that road. I think what they're doing is they are trying to figure out a way to kill the story. Problem is, ufology is too stubborn to let it go. And they underestimated the fact that sometimes we know what we're talking about as a public. When we return on Spaced Out Radio, we're going to try and hook up with UFO reports. Courtney Marcassani taking in the Soul Conference where David Grush is supposed to speak. And more on UFOs when we return. We might even take your questions as well. Stay tuned. Spaced Out Radio's final half hour is next. Hi, little Timmy Senor. Maybe we're not going to get Courtney tonight. 
I know she's having troubles. T- Potato Grouse, welcome to SOR chat. You got aliens too, man. Vanessa, how are you? All right. You guys are going to have to help me out here. We're going to have to take some UFO questions and any of your questions. What you've heard throughout the week, what you want to think of, where you want to go. Okay, start putting in capital letters if you don't mind. Yeah, that's what happens when you have a permanently broken nose, David Warman. You can't breathe out of it. And it squeaks. Like that. David S., thank you. Tokeland, how you doing? Scabby, what's happening? If you actually pull right through here with some pressure, you actually open up your sinuses. It unclogs them. PRM Productions. Uh, I haven't seen the full episode PRM. I, I was actually talking to Michael Masters today. We're getting him on, I believe, on the 21st of December. More questions, people. We got like uh, 15 seconds. Final half hour of Spaced Out Radio tonight. Good to have you with us. My name is Dave Scott. Very much appreciate earning your listening ears. Reminder to all of you that if you've missed portions of this show or others, you can check out our free archives 
by going to youtube.com forward slash spaced out radio. Do me the favor, hit that subscribe button, our website, spacedoutradio.com. We have a plethora of features for you. Rock out to Bumblefoot, read the newswire, check out our swag as well. Follow us on Twitter at Spaced Out Radio, Instagram at Spaced Out Radio Show, and you can join us on Patreon by signing up for the SOR Space Travelers Club. The UFO report continuing. Unfortunately, due to bad cell phone and computer connections, we cannot reach Courtney Marcassani tonight. She feels bad. Feels real bad. All right, but we're going to continue on here on Spaced Out Radio with the UFO Report. Why? Because we have to, and it's fun. It's fun. All right, remember the other night when we were telling you about Sean Kirkpatrick stepping down from the Arrow program? Well, on their podcast, Ross Coltart and Bryce Zabel we're able to say the name of a gentleman named Carl. Zycam knows that when you live life to the fullest, you never want to let a cold slow you down. With Zycam's cold shortening products, you can actually shorten colds when taken at the first sign. And with the winter chill in the air, you need the number one cold shortening brand to help shorten a cold when taken at the first sign this season. Because you should never let a cold stop you from missing out on your favorite moments of the season. Click here to shop Zycam, the number one cold shortening brand. We all know a guy who only occasionally shaves for big occasions, and it's because that occasional shave really hurts. It's the time of year for big occasions, and yet there he is, suffering with that cheap drugstore razor. Let's help him out. Henson Shaving's line of razors, built with aerospace precision, deliver a smooth shave your dad, brother, and even son can enjoy, eventually. With replacement blades just 10 cents each, you'll buy it once, and they'll use it for life. How's that for the perfect gift? Celebrate with 100 free blades on your first purchase, and no subscription headaches. HensonShaving.com slash holiday nell is allegedly one of the two candidates up for the new director of arrow but apparently there's a little bit of pushback from the dod nell supported david grush in an article on the debrief and agrees that the u.s has crash retrieval programs with non-human aircraft wow this is getting somewhere this is getting somewhere so we know it's down to just a couple of names. I was able to figure that one out from one of my sources. But who is Carl Nell? This is who we got to find out. Well, let's find out. He is a colonel in the Army Reserve. He is commanded at every grade level he ever held and is currently Deputy Chief of Staff for U.S. Africa Command. He has more than 27 years of technology and organized leadership in top-tier defense firms, where he most recently served as vice president and general manager. This according to the Foreign Policy Research Institute and Google. So what do we need need to know about this guy? Let's read his LinkedIn. Let's add him. Let's connect. Hey, Carl. Let's connect. Add a note. I like UFOs too. There we go. 
LinkedIn members include a personal note. Hi, Mr. Carl. Dave Scott of Spaced Out Radio. We're LinkedIn-ing him right now. Is that a term, LinkedIn-ing him? All right. Would love to connect and follow your future in UFOs slash UAP. Why will it not let me send? Hmm. He's got it blocked off. He's got it blocked off. Okay, let's read what he writes about himself here. Vice President and General Manager with more than 25 years of progressive P&L leadership in top-tier Fortune 500 firms, Bell Telephone Laboratories, Lockheed Missiles, and Space, Northrop Grumman, Task, CACI, or Kaki Ensico, actualizes board initiatives creating $250 plus million in revenue streams in IC, DOD, FedCiv markets, proven success, achieving operational excellence, new growth, and business transformation in diverse, high-end, aerospace, R&D, large-scale, integrated solutions. This guy needs to learn how to use a period. Loves his commas. Well, let's see if there's any ratings on him. Okay. So, up until present... He's worked as modern advisor to vice chief of staff of the Army. Prior to that, or during that term, also deputy COO, director of special programs, colonel, U.S. Africa Command, otherwise known as AFRICOM. He's a former vice president and general manager, corporate officer of ENSCO Incorporated, chief strategist for the U.S. Army Reserve, Vice President Solution Architecture for CACI International. Deputy CTO, Director of Systems Engineer and Integration for Northrop Grumman. Man, this guy's done a lot. Done a lot. Oh, here's an interesting one. From 1990 to 1994, he was Commander and Operations Officer of the U.S. Space Command, competitively selected for one of only three Army officer billets within U.S. Space Command in Europe, commanded a $14 million transportable satellite communications control, central war trace directly to the Joint Chiefs of Staff while serving as operations officer for a defense satellite communications system operations center valued at over $38 million, responsible for 63 soldiers. Think he saw some aliens? Do you think it's possible? Well, he's one of the two. Take it or leave it. He is one of the two. All right, we're going to kind of do something a little bit different here as we continue on. We are going to take some audience questions. Normally, we don't at this time, but <clears throat> hey, we're going to rock and roll it. Start off with David. Have abductions stopped? We don't hear about them as much. 
That's actually a good question, David, because from what I'm hearing, abductions are continuing. They have not stopped. For some people, they have slowed down. For others, they have increased. But I think the reason why we have not heard a lot of them lately is because the majority of programs like this have been so focused on the government side of disclosure and or confirmation that we've kind of swept aside the experiential happenings of this topic. And for the majority, they just don't care or understand. But for me, it's just I have to follow the news. I have to go with where it is. But I love a good alien abduction story. I do. The problem is more people are coming out of the woodwork, but they are not talking about it. They are saying that it's happened to them, but they aren't going into full detail of what we heard from prior people like Travis Walton or the Andreasen family or many others. Because they could find a Facebook group, kind of say, hey, this is happening to me, and that'll be good enough for them. They're not digging in deep anymore. So, yes, they are still going on. However, I don't see we're going to see an increase in alien abductions until the government announces that aliens are actually here. David Warman. What is the latest phenomena you have witnessed, Dave? Hmm. Thinking. Probably paranormal phenomena because we just wrapped up a couple of weeks ago our ghost tours for the for the year. And during that time, we were introducing people to a lot of spiritual activity. So some of the phenomena that I was able to witness this year at the tour was in our big barn. We I, I noticed a giant horse head because it was the barn was made for to house Clydesdale horses, and if you've seen the the size of Clydesdales or or Percherons or Belgians or or some of those major working horses, they're like a ton apiece, these horses. They're massive. Well, I saw one head sticking out of a barn stall in the complete dark with some shades of light. Saw like a horse tail swishing around like they do to keep flies away. That was cool. We had these these little orb balls about an, just over an inch in size and diameter. And watching them go off for no reason was pretty cool. One of the other things that, uh, that we noticed in one of our buildings, and I hadn't really noticed this before, is every time we were in there, there was a different odor coming out of this closet. It would either smell very perfumey 
like fruit type of perfume. Other times, it would smell like garbage. And even a couple of times, it smelled like feces. Disgusting. And it was only in that closet that you could smell it. Now, we have always suspected in that closet, in a building that we call the post house, we always kind of felt there was like a portal or some sort of dimensional jumping room in there. But man, did it stink this year. That was pretty cool. Yeah. How could feces of the smell be cool when it's paranormal? It is. So that would be my latest phenomena. I did see some things this summer. My Sasquatch gifting site has been extremely quiet this year. I went out there last Saturday, and uh, we were actually, it was kind of cool. We were actually... Earn more with a new HIMA Premier Money Market account from Keesler Federal. Get 4.5% annual percentage yield for six months with no minimum deposit. Visit kfcu.org to learn more. Federally insured by NCUA membership eligibility required. Hey, Diane. Holiday shopping? All done. Everyone's getting the new iPhone 15 from T-Mobile, and T-Mobile's covering the cost. Plus, I got four lines for 25 bucks a line per month. I got to get to T-Mobile. Get four iPhone 15s on us with eligible trade-in when you switch to T-Mobile. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for well-qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Actually surrounded by wild horses. Couldn't see them, but we could hear them all around us. It was awesome. Absolutely awesome. Let's go over to Nikki. Oddball question. How many more organizations do you believe may be created by whichever governments, by whichever agencies, to follow any government's narratives that are being spewed? I think that's a good question, Nikki. And I don't think the answer we're going to be able to tell. What we do know is that every major area has their own group looking into it. As I stated earlier, the six portions of the United States military have it. NASA has it. The Department of Energy has it. NRA, NSA, pardon me, NRO, NSA, FBI, CIA, every alphabet agency knows they're there. The Pentagon knows they're there. I know up here in Canada, there's about 20 different alphabet groups that have their own agencies as well. And if we have that many, it's double or triple in the United States. Double or triple. So I really do believe that they are investigating their own reports from within their own divisions, but I do not believe that they are fully sharing information with each other. Because in the end, they all want more money. And if the military isn't going to shake your hand, why are you going to help them? And vice versa. That's what we're seeing. Needs to go away. 
It's not right, but that's what we're seeing. All right, let's go to Tokeland. What is the most famous UFO sighting in your BC area? That's actually a good question. Back in 1988-89, there was an alien abduction right on the hill out of town. It involved a lady named Miriam Delicato. And apparently, from two hours away in this city called Quinell, where Mandy the Haunted Doll is in the museum there, right before they entered Quinell, they were their carload, which was heading to Vancouver, was being followed by a bright orb. And they were driving at night, very little traffic on the 97 highway at that time of night. But if vehicles did come, the orb would back off and go deeper into the air. And then the minute the vehicle passed, the orb would come right down like it was tailgating right behind the vehicle. There were four people in the vehicle. Miriam was in the passenger seat. Her friend was driving, and there were two friends in the back. Now, I believe they were heading to Vancouver for a party or a concert or something along those lines. So they were able to drive through Williams Lake without the orb following them. But the minute they got into the dark towards where I live in 100 Mile House, British Columbia, the orb followed them the entire way. And then when they got out into town, it disappeared again. When they started climbing the 99-mile hill, the orb appeared. And then about two miles out of town, the orb cut the engine in the car. The car pulled over to the side. And Miriam said that she looked over at her friend who was driving and she seemed to be in a trance. Miriam got out of the vehicle, said, what do you want from me? And from the other side of the highway, these two beings came over and took her. And they took her for three hours. Then when she came back, everybody was still in a trance on the highway. It was three hours later. Miriam opens up the car passenger door, sits down in the seat, closes it, and the slamming of the door woke up the driver and the two friends in the back. They didn't know that she was gone. Nope. But when the door slammed and woke them up, all three were dumbfounded that the car was pulled over on the side of the road and that it was ice cold, extremely cold in the vehicle because it hadn't been running. So that's the big story here in my town. Let's go back to Nikki. Who would you consider giving testimony in front of the U.S. Congress? Who do you think would hold up to the scrutiny? From people we do know, I would love to see if I had Dave's top five, I would love to see Chris Mellon. And this is in no particular order. Mellon is the former Deputy Direct Secretary of, the, uh, of Defense in the United States. I'd love to see him. 
I would love to see Luis Elizondo put through. David Grush again, because I think that's important. I'd love to see Richard Dolan there. See what he has to say. And I would love to see George Knapp. I would love to have George Knapp under oath having to spew the comments that he has learned and held on to for decades. That would be cool. That would be kind of awesome. At least that's my opinion. Derek is asking, Dave, do you think there are whistleblowers out there purposely spreading disinformation on behalf of the Department of Defense? Yes, I do. I believe that they, ever since the To the Stars Academy came in, there has been a disinformation campaign that goes against what people believe, and there came in a bunch of new people who would never really studied this subject before saying, we have no proof, we need proof before we can move forward. Yes, I've seen things, but that means nothing when it comes to proof or disproof. We need more whistleblowers. We need more testimony, and we need somebody to help take the pressure off of David Grush. That's the big one right now. Continuing on here. Scrolling. Maybe that's all the questions. Maybe that is it for the night. All right. Let's go to Nikki. About one minute here. Why would you consider giving testimony in front of the U.S. Congress? Who do you think would hold up to the scrutiny? I'd love to because I got no skin in the game. But somebody like David Grush is doing an incredible job. He's ignored ufology, probably on purpose. Why? Because he is tired of people putting words in his mouth. But I would love to see him come. I would love to see Elizondo once again. I'd love to see Chris Mellon, Richard Dolan. You know what? For for giggles, let's say Science Bob as well. Because he's pretty brilliant as well. What a great show we had tonight. Thank you guys for all holding on in there as we were accidentally missing Courtney, who couldn't get connected to her computer to take in the UFO report. Because that's what happens when you have strange power grids like California. We got Mr. Ron Bumblefoot Thal rocking in the background with Little Brother is watching. Bumblefoot is the official music of Spaced Out Radio. Rocking us in and out of every single show. Get your horns up for the guitar god himself. Special thanks to everybody listening in at work, at home, in your cars, wherever you may be. Thank you to everyone in our chat rooms tonight. YouTube, Twitch, LGAP, Facebook, Spreaker, LinkedIn, the Space Travelers Club, and on X at hashtag Spaced Out Radio. Remember, this show is copyright by Spaced Out Radio and SOR Media Ventures Limited. Thank you so much for choosing to share your evening with us. 
Because together, my friends, we own the night. Mr. Bumblefoot, we need a favor. We need you to take us home. Yes, the Wu train has docked for the night. But soon, my friends, we shall ride again. Your seats are always available. Your tickets never expire. And if you want to bring a friend, we've got room for them, too. Good night. with a new HIMA Premier Money Market account from Keesler Federal. Get 4.5% annual percentage yield for six months with no minimum deposit. Visit kfcu.org to learn more. Federally insured by NCUA membership eligibility required. Hey, Diane. Holiday shopping? All done. Everyone's getting the new iPhone 15 from T-Mobile, and T-Mobile's covering the cost. Plus, I got four lines for 25 bucks a line per month. I gotta get to T-Mobile. Get four iPhone 15s on us with eligible trade-in when you switch to T-Mobile. <laughs> Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for well-qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com.